Awesome. We're back. We're here. (laughs) How's everyone doing? Missed y'all. Missed (laughs) y'all. Missing everybody. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true. Cool. Awesome. So we always start off squeezing the juice with a check-in question. And Ashley, I'm going to throw it over to you. What's our check-in question today? I want to know, plain and simple, during COVID-19 right now, what is everybody's win? What's one win for the week so far? Uh, I can start. Um, Okay. So... I'm up in Seattle and, uh, the sun is shining, which is also terrible because we are all like huddled inside for ever. It feels like, and all of a sudden it's 64 degrees outside and sunny. So people are like, well, I mean, if I just go out, it won't be a big deal. I can social distance, but I live right by the beach, which is where everybody tries to drive to. However, I have figured out a place to go with my daughter to go walk. Um, and it is silent. And what's crazy is we have seen otters, we have seen seals over and over again, and the water is like fully clear in Seattle, like in Puget Sound. So I just, I would like to give a shout out to the weather being good because I think it keeps people's spirits up. Like I have family in Chicago and it snowed again last night and people are losing their minds. So um, I think that's a win is that we're getting outside and like actually feeling like we're living versus just kind of being cooped up and being like, what am I doing with myself? (laughs) Stuck in your head is not good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that like peacefulness, that like calm that you talk about. I've also noticed like in those, in like being out in nature right now, like, I don't know if it's me just being more present or if it's actually happening, but I feel like I'm noticing more like animals and like lizards and like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, more nature. So I don't know. Yeah. Do y'all think more animals are out? They're like, oh, the humans, they're out. We could like be one with them and they can be one with us. Or do you think I mean, those, we're just those pandas had those pandas finally had sex in that one off and that one zoo. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's true. Like, and they just said that they doubled the po- the bear population in Yosemite, Yosemite just doubled. Yeah. And so, there's coyotes running know. around San Francisco. It's crazy. Yeah. COVID. I'm sure. I'm it, telling you, this whole like the bats had a reason and what they were trying to do. Trying to tell us like calm the f down and like <laughs> let nature be okay for a minute and like let people actually see through the smog. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, kind of hope you kind of hope that it doesn't necessarily go back to the exact same. Like let's turn all the motors back on. But, right. Yeah. yeah. yeah for totally. sure. Cool. What are your That's wins? Awesome. All right. Kim, what's your win? I can go. Um, I I've been cooking a lot more and honestly, like. I suck. I sucked at cooking. Like I just never, I always had roommates like in college and after that were like amazing chefs. So I've never like had the need to like learn to cook, nor was I interested. <laughs> I was like the person that like, when you tried to boil water, I would like set the smoke alarm off. Cause I'd be like, Oh, I'll be back. And then like 10 minutes later, I'm like, Oh shit. This pot <laughs> is literally dry and the smoke alarm is going off. So I've been cooking more, but I actually have been making stuff where I'm like proud. I'm like, this actually tastes good. Like go me. And you normally when I cook, like up until this point, I'm like, eh, it's all right. Like it's edible, you know? And like, I wouldn't <laughs> necessarily be proud to offer this to anyone, but yesterday, like, in just the past few days, I've been like, I would offer this food to other people and be proud. 
to share so it with them. Are we going to see like a cooking with Kim YouTube channel here soon? Definitely oh not. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, of squeezing the juice. you're really good at the whole like teaching thing. I mean, it being really, uh, you know, able to put yourself out there and say, I'm terrible at this, but you can come along with my journey because you're bad at it too. Like, <laughs> true. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's true. I will say something that's helped a lot is I got an instant pot, <laughs> which yes. people kept telling me and I'm like, what is this thing? And then finally I got one right before shelter in place. And it was a perfect timing because that is like whoever designed that was thinking of me because like you can literally set it and walk away and the house isn't going to burn down. Whereas <laughs> nothing else operates like that, you know, like the oven, nothing. So I so cannot make anything good in my crock pot. So can you please send me some recipes? <laughs> I just can't. Every <laughs> time I do something, I'm like an instant pot is really different. I thought they were the same thing too. People, I'm people are like pot instant pot. I'm like, isn't that like a crock pot? Like, I don't want to let something sit for like five hours and, but that's not what an instant pot is. An instant pot is like a pressure cooker mm-hmm. where you literally cook things for like two minutes, but it's super high pressure. And then you release it, the steam at the end. Oh, that's what they yeah, use on so MasterChef. Way quicker. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, and someone they told me on Facebook to like they're like, just don't just return the crock pot. And we got it for gifts because I for like maternity leave and stuff. Yeah. And so I was like, can't do that, but thank you. Um, <laughs> but now maybe I just need to find a shelf space for two. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Instant pot is life. I swear by it. I'm I think you're the one who told me about lockers. it. And I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I think I thought it was a crock pot, but then someone else told me about it again. And I was like, isn't that a crock pot? And they're a slow cooker. And they're like, no, that's not what it is. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. That's Tell me awesome. more. But What's been your favorite dish you made in there? I actually made really good salmon. I was surprised. Really? It oh, tasted way better. Any? Yeah, way better than in the oven. It was still, it was like the best salmon I've ever cooked. So that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. How about you? You'll What's your win? Send, if you could please um, post that recipe in the links okay. below, right. that'd be great. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> um, my win. Oh, my win has been on a Sunday. My mom. So earlier in the week, my mom was like, she's been really bummed about this COVID-19 and not being able to see people. And my family's in Southern California. A little shout out to the 805. <laughs> uh, and we, we ended up doing, I uh, asked my family if they wanted to do like a, a Zoom party. So I got all my family, two older sisters, my brother-in-law, whose birthday it was, um, and then my nephews and my niece, and I have quite a few of those. And they were all on there. One, of, Two of my nephews were in like two separate rooms in the same house, and um, their mom, my sister, and, their, and my brother-in-law were in like the separate living room. And it was just so fun. We literally were on it for like two hours, um, like sharing videos. Were you guys telling jokes? Yeah, of course. We were like telling jokes. I um, so I have this. Ashley's whole family song. is like funny. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't yeah. met any of them. This is just like what she's yeah. doing with me. Because your mom <laughs> also managed a comedy club, right? Like that's like yeah. No, you have to be. Well, because yeah. she had to manage the people who actually. She was like, <laughs> yeah. you're good. You're not like you can't come in. So you have to have a good sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's definitely. I feel like humor has been such a strong source of like love in my family and got us. It's like what really connects us, and we get that. Like we've had a lot of. We have. We definitely. Our family would call it like ourselves a dysfunctional family and what we mean is more it's like just not your traditional family my sisters are eight and ten years older my younger brother he's six years younger so it's like been quite a journey but like I wouldn't have it any other way it's been such a blessing but um yeah they're all hilarious and when you get us all in the same room or a virtual room uh it was just it's just like non-stop and then now we have a bunch of like mini us's uh on there too and they're just, awesome. everybody's just such awesome people. I'm like so grateful for my family. 
Are you, yeah. so are your, are, they're all, they're not, your parents weren't divorced or anything? Yeah. Or so I always say it like this and people are always like, you, oh, you have a dad, but I had a dad, my brothers, my sisters, my two sisters, they have a dad and my brother has a dad. Um, and Got my mom is just a fierce woman and she's like, nah, you're not going to work next. Um, <laughs> um, hey, like, you're but like, not, you got to know you're with it or you're life, not. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that's what I have to like with that. Like, that's why I've, I'm so grateful. Like I have so many strong women like to like have as examples in my life and like my sisters and my mom, like, I think I, I've always like sort of bowed down to my mom of like, wow, how much she did for us. But like, as I've gotten older and older, like I am so much of who I am because of my sisters as well. And like, they're just such radical humans. Like they, there was not like a cookie cutter version that they followed. And I think that really allowed me to explore who I wanted to be in the world and like got to like just figure out my identity since I was a little kid till now in such a different way, especially what it means to just be a strong woman. Um, and it's been so cool. Um, yeah. So, and so, then so my- you have three siblings? Yeah. So I, so yeah, so I have a two older sisters and my younger brother, he's six years younger and he's just like such a rad human. I'm so proud of him. I feel like I tell him every, every time I talk to him and he's like, I know. Yeah. Thank you. But he's really, he's just, (laughs) he's a rad human. And he's like, he's such a great example of like a young man. And I like really, yeah, he's just, he's awesome. Um, but yeah, like I said, family. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm asking all these questions because I have, we, I've, there's six kids in my family all the same parents my little sister's adopted but my oldest brother god they're gonna kill me if they were here this because i don't actually know their age ages it's like 40 let's say 40 no let's say like 46 44 41 i'm in my 30s <laughs> and then uh and then my little brother is 23 and my little nope 24 and my little sister is 20 just turned 21 oh maybe pearson's 25 anyway and my little <laughs> sister's adopted from vietnam so like i have all these brothers who were like out of high school when i was like six right um, so it's kind of it, like so it's just it's it's interesting because you do get these like generational differences but 100%. then like when you come together you can like kind of relate to each other and then you realize like how much you're alike and it's just Ugh. it's pretty cool so it's a bummer that like you know i don't get to talk to my little sister a lot like she's just you know i'm quite a bit older than her and she's living a whole different generational life like she's in school at baylor and like so it's just different but um yeah. but yeah so i like i can completely relate to just kind of like the chaos of different yeah. ages and that kind of stuff yeah, it's it's so cool. I love that you have experienced that too because it's such a gift having that intergenerational those sort of gaps because I think it's really shown me how valuable it is that like I can still learn things from my mom, right? Um but I can also learn things from my sisters. I can learn things from my brother and even my nephews and my niece and like it's just never done and it's such a beautiful it's just such a beautiful gift because like we know we talk about young people being on the forefront especially of like technology or like what's cool and what's going Going on. So it's just so cool. And my family is so open in terms of like, you know, we can all practice humility and get that like everybody has a little bit of gold to offer always. And mm-hmm. it's always rooted in like the most fun ever. Um, so <laughs> it's so great. It's so, I'm like, ah, oh, I love it. I'm just so grateful for it. So that's my win. We uh, had a virtual hangout on Sunday for Easter and, uh, yeah, it was so good. I have so many like screenshots of making them do weird things. Like we all like pretend like we're going to eat the camera. 
is like so weird. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, that's definitely not my family. Our, our FaceTimes yeah, are weird. like we're crazy. Here's Hartley, my daughter, and like here's oh, no. I guess just to say her win. Our win was also she crawled this week. So oh we got, yeah, yeah. For I mean, she's like army crawling. She does. She only uses one foot, and the other foot's in the air, and then like <laughs> pulls on whatever she can. But it's there's forward momentum, which means that we have to move the cat bowl and the litter box and. God knows whatever else. So it's just but, the yeah. beginning. <laughs> yeah. So I guess there, there's lots of, well, once you start talking about family, you're like, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> That's so That's awesome. Good. Lots of wins. I love it. Um, cool. Cool. All right. Check-in question done. Um, all right. So I guess we'll just go ahead and introduce Molly. So obviously we're here today with Molly Magnifico. Ooh, it was funny, uh, Ashley, <laughs> on the notes. I don't Did you do this on purpose? But she wrote Molly Magnificent. <laughs> yeah. I did, did do it on purpose. purpose. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. I'm sure you've heard that before as like a nickname. Magnifico, uh, or yeah, like, or I should be a magician or something. Yeah. I married well, you know, I married, <laughs> I married Mr. Magnifico when I met him, I met him at a bar and like we were leaving and I was like, Oh, Hey, like, you know, give me your information. He like put his information in my Blackberry and, um, I left and I looked at it and it said Patrick Magnifico. And I was like, Dude, that's the worst line. Like, who? He, that is <laughs> he thought not it was a joke. Name. Yeah. And then, like, next time I saw him, I was just like, "Give me your ID because I think you're full of shit." And he was just like, "Here it is." And I was like, "We're probably gonna get married." Like, yeah. that would be a really good name. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not why I married him, but it has been good. He's he's had it his whole life, so he's always just like, "Yeah." But you do. I really appreciate that it gives. It always brings a smile to people's faces, and like if someone's in like a bad mood, like a bank teller or you know anyone who you're meeting for the first time who has to know your name, they're like, oh, and it kind of changes like a tone, and you're, and then you can like tell a weird joke, and um, and it kind of just like changes energy, which is really great. So, um, what was your that. what was your maiden name like before Magnifico? Dapier. Okay, Magnifico. Yeah, just like. They're and both you have an alliteration. Um, yeah. So well, great. and then my real name's not even Molly. My name's Maureen. So legally, oh, crazy. I'm Maureen Elizabeth. Uh, well, I'm Maureen Elizabeth Dapier then, and then Maureen Elizabeth Magnifico now. And then if you want to get crazy, my confirmation name is Valentine <laughs> for my like great grandfather. But um, wow. so uh, my great grandfather came over from Poland, and there was an SKI at the back of our name, and so they wanted to like get rid of anything from Europe. And so they just kind of made up a name. Um, so there's only so many Dapiers in the world. Uh, but I always butcher it. It's like, it used to be Dopierowski or something like that. So, um, but I think there's a lot of people who came to America who just kind of like fresh start. Don't want anyone to know stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was, I was just say like, are you French guy after nine 11? People are like, are you French? Cause you know, the French didn't want to support certain things for the United States. And I was like, seriously, not Dapier. And then the worst was like diaper. I was like, do you really think that that's like a, a really funny joke in like sixth grade? Like diaper? <laughs> kind of like stretch. Yeah. Like the mean boys would be like, what's up pampers? And I was like, <laughs> good are you, one. Are you flirting with That's me? Fine. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, I, I'm just not going to answer. So yeah. But yeah. So I upgraded. I was pretty, I was pretty lucky on that one. Did you just go awesome. by Molly as a kid or? Oh no. Um, so I was the first girl out of all the kids. So there's three boys and then it was me. Um, and I, they had picked out Maureen. And then when my dad saw me, he just started calling me Molly Dolly. And that was it. So Maureen and Molly both mean little Mary in Christianity or something. So it's always been Molly. So, you know, I've only gotten like stopped once at like an airport back in the day when like full families could go and like no one needs IDs. Um, there, cause they were like, this isn't, this isn't your name. I'm like, I didn't make the airline ticket. My mom did. <laughs> so, but <laughs> 
Yeah. But it's, most people know that's, awesome. it's, that's me. Yeah. That's so You're not awesome. a Marine. That's weird. I'm not. Yeah. I tried it and it's just not like I'm either getting arrested or I'm like in big trouble with my family. So made me that. So awesome. awesome. So we're here with Molly, not Marine. <laughs> and yeah, I'm not even going to try to like explain your whole background and your resume and your career. But, you know, I think the reason why from my perspective, like why we wanted to bring you on the show and talk to you is because you're definitely a leader in our community and in our industry, the action sports industry. You've had a whole career of making shit happen um, in skateboarding and snowboarding and obviously other, you know, uh, related cultures. Um, and I think the first time I even met you was you were speaking on a panel. It was a group Y event, shout out to Mark, but um, yeah. I don't think I knew who you were. And I went to this networking event and I feel like it was either you and someone else or it might've just been you presenting. Um, and I was like, who is this person, you know, or I might've already known about you, but I'd never like met you. But anyways, I just think there's, you know, only a few, I feel like, uh, women that have been in leadership positions at, you know, influential companies and brands. And to me, um, I'm always interested in learning from them and highlighting their stories and how they got there. Um, and that's, to me, that's always who you've been. And now currently, um, you do serve on the board of Skate Like a Girl, which is amazing. And that's been, you know, hugely impactful for the organization. Um, and you've just continued to give back and contribute even when it wasn't like your job and you didn't have to. So, um, so yeah, we wanted to just kind of bring you on and hear more. Like I'm personally interested in hearing more about yeah. your career journey, like how you got to where you're at, um, and probably some of the history that I don't, that I don't even know about. Um, but maybe if you can just walk us through like sort of, you know, the jobs that you have had, like how you've ended up in the action sports industry. Um, and maybe even talk about like, you know, your childhood interests and like, yeah. you know, what kind of kid you were that led you to this. Cause again, like I think in our generation, it's not as common. Like I think now there, there's going to be a lot more, there already is, and the, there will continue to be more women at the table in these, you know, decision-making roles, but definitely back then, like for those of us who are in our thirties or forties, even like that was rare. So yeah. Can you just yeah. share with us kind of like the How background? That? <laughs> That's a really big question. <laughs> Childhood uh, adults. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll kind of start for like just how I grew up. I, I mean, I'm from Chicago. I think a lot of people think I'm from the West Coast just because of the brands that I've worked in. Um, but, uh, and all my brothers were just kind of like punk rock. You know, my brother was a musician and a, a drummer in a band and traveled all over the world. And like, they all skateboarded. I mean, it was, they grew up in the 80s and the early 90s. So um, I was kind of just always a part of like, alternative culture. I was super into punk music. Like I remember buying my first pair of like patent leather airwalks and was so stoked to wear them with like whatever I bought at the thrift store. And, um, so I, but I always like teetered between like being a crazy athlete, ballerina, whatever to like showing up at, you know, a save the day concert or whatever. So, um, I kind of always wanted to be a part of a lot of different things. And, but that I think my brothers influenced me a lot. Uh, and the other thing was, I always had this, I don't know what it was, but I always just, I had this like pull to California my whole life. My first concert was the Beach Boys. I would blame my parents because they always <laughs> played the Beach Boys for me. Um, and I was lucky enough, like in high school, I had a friend whose family like went to Palm Springs every year. And so she would bring me and her aunt is some famous 
photographer, um, like fashion photographer or culture photographer in Santa Monica. And we would go there and like, we, we were big runners, um, was super competitive runner growing up. And, uh, I would, this was in like Venice still had like amazing thrift stores that no one was actually going to. Uh, mm. and I would just buy all this crazy stuff. I would go to Ron John's surf shop, like everything I wore, when I went home, like Roxy and like have the internet. So like I had to go find these things. And, um, <laughs> I remember growing up with kids who'd be like, wait, are you from California? And I was like, no, I grew up with you. Remember we were in second grade together <laughs> here. So I don't know what it was, but I just always had this like thing with surf culture and maybe it was like Barbie. I don't know. But, um, uh, I ended up going to school and well, I went to a couple different schools. Uh, I started at Boston university and just did not like it and found my way meandering to Boulder. Uh, but I started by go, uh, be right before that. I went on a Knowles semester, which was national outdoor leadership school. I don't, do you guys know what that is? No, I've heard of it. Do you know what outward bound is? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So national outdoor leadership school was started to make sure that there was a leadership system for people like Outward Bound to have like certified people to take these kids into the woods. And like Outward Bound started as like kind of a, you know, if you're a dysfunctional kid or you need extra help, like let's go take them in the woods and push them off a rock. And, um, and now it's, <laughs> and now it's evolved. And I mean, it really was, it was like, let's, let's take troubled children and take them in the woods. And they were really the first ones to do that, but there weren't like standards of how those people could take children into the woods. And so yeah. Noel started, um, and it has kind of, it's both of them have evolved into people being able to go on 14 to 30 day to semester trips. I ended up getting to do a semester trip that actually gave me credit through the university of Utah. Um, and I did like rock climbing, backpacking, canyoneering, teleskiing, got my wilderness first aid certification, which then I upgraded to my wilderness first responder, um, and did all just kind of like took myself out of my head because I really had a terrible first freshman year experience in college. Mm -hmm. Uh, cause I had all these expectations of where I was supposed to go and I didn't like it. And then I was like, what am I doing? Uh, and I realized that no one had told me in my life that you should take things that you really, really love in your life and make sure you continue to do them in college, but then still have a college experience because I decided I was like, mm. I'm just going to do this. Like, I really want to go to Boston, honestly, because they had a snowboarding team. I applied to colleges that had snowboarding teams, like, which is great <laughs> yeah. because I love snowboarding, but there had to be a lot more than that. <laughs> anyway, long story short, as I went, um, I went on this whole semester and it like really I changed my life and my perspective of like what I wanted to do and kind of the person and what was important to me, like coming home and being able to say to my parents, like, you know, I don't, I don't think I need that new North Face jacket. I'll just put duct tape on this one. It's fine. My parents were like, who are you? What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, but you know, so I went on Knowles and went to CU and, you know, CU were, you're very lucky there because you have the mountains, um, and you have just opportunity to do a lot of different things, rock climbing, snowboarding. There's a lot of people from California who are from there or just the West coast that go to school in Colorado. Uh, I, there were a lot of people from Chicago too, but I just felt like I got to meet a lot of other people who were into things that I wasn't actually always exposed to growing up in Chicago. Um, and so I ended up being on the snowboarding team, ended up joining like fundraising committees for their big snowboarding event they had, uh, you know, ended up working for, uh, I can't remember the name. It was like right when Red Bull was starting, there were all these energy drinks that came out. And so I would start like doing like those types of like anything that was in action sports within that vicinity. I was kind of trying to hustle those jobs. Uh, and so when I left college, I was like, I want to do something in the outdoors. I want to do something in action sports or skateboarding or whatever it is. Um, and 
Uh, I was lucky enough. I, I taught snowboarding at Keystone for a little bit because I was trying really hard to not go back to Chicago. And <laughs> my parents eventually <laughs> were like, you got to come home. Like we're not paying for you to live. Um, and I ended up actually applying for a job at REI. And it was when they were, they had these these people called outreach specialists and it was for you to do all the PR and marketing within that community specifically. And I remember like being on a ski lift actually in Vail and having a conversation with someone. And I think, I honestly think that that was the interview that sealed the deal. Cause I was like, I'm really playing outside. Like I'm totally part of the culture. And um, <laughs> I got this gig and it was so awesome because I literally got to run like I got to do all these things I'm passionate about. My job was to get people outdoors who like, especially in Chicago, didn't necessarily know what REI was like huge, huge on the West, like huge in Colorado, obviously in, in Washington state, cause it's where they're from, but not in Chicago. So I was like, people need to know about this. They need to be able to get outside. Like, look how cool our, all of our outdoor spaces are. We spend so much money in our counties. Like you got to do this. And, um, so I ended up doing, you know, PR doing all their, uh, in-store events, uh, ended up bringing communities into the fold that they never had. I helped them expand into a new region um, within kind of in, actually closer to where I'm, my hometown is. And um, I ended up on the Today Show, which was crazy. What? Like, wow. so, um, this was all in Chicago, yeah? Oh, yeah. I haven't even gotten regular okay. jobs. I'm totally okay. rambling. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, um, no, this is good. I, I just wanted like, <laughs> this is all still in Chicago. This is great. Do you remember, and it's really sad, do you remember way back, there was a family in Oregon who wanted to go into the mountains. It was a dad, a mom, a baby, and maybe a toddler. And they drove in and like, we're going to go for a hike. And like the snow started coming down and they got stuck. And the, the dad eventually went for help. And I, it must've just been a newborn, I think, but, or maybe, I don't, I don't remember specifically, but the mom and the mom and the baby survived because she was nursing the baby mm. and they found them. And they were, you know, obviously very, you know, in a bad way, but there was this huge thing. There was like this family passed away because of the, the winter storms. And so uh, the Today Show was looking for someone who could explain maybe what an emergency kit should be in your car. <laughs> for some reason, they called RREI. And um, it was amazing. I totally probably was not supposed to do that because I wasn't really supposed to be doing national PR. But my manager was like, hey, like, let's do this. This is going to be great. So they like, took me out to the woods and talked about all this stuff in this car. And like they sold out of every single item immediately. And it was so wow. funny. That's and amazing. so that was Is like, that footage uh, somewhere? Yeah. This is I have it. I, was thinking. Oh my I God. totally have it. It's on a, it's on a CD. It. Yeah. Um, nice. You'd have to figure out how to convert that. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's behind me somewhere. Um, anyway, and like, awesome. I actually eventually, I actually started school going to journalism school and wanting to be like the travel lady on the travel channel. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to be on TV, Today Show, whatever. And then I realized this, that I, it's really nerve wracking. And I didn't want to do that. <laughs> um, anyway, and so I got kind of got a taste of like a lot of different things, um, grant writing and that kind of stuff with REI. And the only reason I left is just, it wasn't, um, they weren't paying very much money. And it was like, it was, I lived in a city. It was kind of hard to kind of keep things up. I couldn't just keep on getting groceries for my parents. Um, so, and I, the whole time I'd really wanted to be working in an agency. My brother was in a creative agency and I just thought that that would be a really cool way to be able to touch a lot of big brands and work on different things and be creative, do experiential. And, uh, I had a friend of a friend or a friend of my brother's who worked at one and I ended up getting a gig at this agency. And then I worked on uh, Pernod Ricard, which is like a giant liquor company. So I worked on Jameson, Chivas, um, like Malibu, Stoli. And they did like, we did crazy stuff like 
built a Stoli hotel and it was like a full experience of like multiple Whoa. levels of like Stoli and Jameson, I would do bartenders balls, which was like, you know, like I hired a guy who is a rapper in a donut costume. Like it was like oh, super funky, weird stuff that was only for bartenders. <laughs> like bartenders who like fully, sorry, who fully have like Jameson tattoos on them. I've, um, I've had to, I've gone to some of those when I was bartending, the ones in the, they, in the San, in San Francisco, they've done Jameson balls and stuff. My first one was in Jameson. It was in San Francisco. Actually. Oh no my way. God. Maybe really you guys were <laughs> there at the same time. Dude, alcohol yeah, companies go nuts with like marketing activation like it's yeah because they have money it's insane they have lots of money but you know what i realized didn't want to work in alcohol because (laughs) uh people get in fights and they're really abusive (laughs) no i mean i was just i was really lucky but i was i was actually um poached from that agency for from another guy who was friends with my brother in a band they there's this youth marketing agency in chicago um who needed another girl to work there because their one girl that they had was leaving. And so I was like, and they knew that I was snowboarding and skateboarding and like, I was into that culture. And so uh, I ended up getting a gig with them. And that was how I was introduced to people like Zoomies, um, Mm. Monster Energy Drink, uh, Soul Technology was my, my client. So I used to run that, these GVR events. I ran all the partnerships at and VIP experiences. Um, we actually created the Zoom Best Foot Forward for Zoomies um, if, through their organization that they owned called Hometown Heroes, which was an amateur skateboarding tour that went to like 50 states or uh, had 50, 50 contests within the United States. And um, what I'd rattle as a client at one point, um, we did a whole kind of crazy amount. And I worked on the NFL on MySpace. I mean, like that's how old I am. So we did the NFL, we did some stuff on NFL Rush. But what was crazy back then is that like digital wasn't like, it was kind of a thing, but it wasn't like no one, everybody was just kind of figuring out what they were doing with it. Right. Uh, and so luckily that agency was also during the downturn of the economy, um, that agency was brought into another bigger agency. So I got to expand some of my horizons and I actually brought tech tech into that agency. Um, so I have, a, I ended up doing all the, like, you may remember some of the younger, younger listeners may not remember this, but like Maloof Money Cup and, um, you know, I think they got on best before they got on a couple of different organizations, but like they did a huge splash at Maloof. They did a copy of RingCon and did the best, the best trick down it. Um, Adam Diet won like 10 grand from it. And like, we just, we did a lot of integrating into even into GVR and a lot of stuff. So I, I was kind of the, the spear, not spearhead necessarily. Cause I had a lot of really creative people around me, but the person who had to kind of manage all that stuff. Um, all. Yeah. Yeah. Which did, was fun because in my future career for a long time. Sorry, I just wanted to. I don't know. I like, um, totally forgot about. Yeah, that. it did. So, GVR. Was like, that was like sta- that was a yeah goofy yeah. versus regular. Goofy it versus like regular. A, yeah. It was like a staple contest for a minute. It yeah, and I think it's one of those um, contests. There was a women. There's a women's who, division. That's there was a women's division. Yeah. Etnies has always you know Soul Tech in general has always been really supportive of women when they can. Um, and yeah, so GVR was a they had a giant like a big bowl contest and like concert the Friday night. Uh, and then Saturday was kind of qualifiers. They had their amateur contest and then Sunday was finals. Was and that like a circuit or was that just happening in one particular? State? No. So Soltech paid for all of it and did all of it right in front of their, uh, headquarters Lake so, oh. at Lake Forest, the Lake Forest skate park. And so we would take over the streets and like huge festival with tents and like yeah. every brand under the sun was there. Like Oakley was right next door to them. So they would have a huge presence and, um, and then we would have a huge concert. And so the first year that I think the agency was working on it, 
they had the Beastie Boys, so I missed that one, but I was super bummed. Uh, and then I worked on Bad Religion. Um, and why am I blanking on the other ones? We had some really, the concerts were huge. Like everybody knew that like GVR was like the party you needed to be at. Uh, yeah. And then you had to wake up on Sunday and, and, um, and they, everybody still had to skate and like function. Isn't so that so interesting? Like we were, that's what we were talking to Vanessa about too. It's so interesting <laughs> how like skateboarding and action sports culture went from like partying a good time to like where it's, where it's at now. Like I was watching some stream of some Olympic qualifying event and it was silent. <laughs> like you could hear a pin drop and I was like, this is like night and day, like for better or for worse, I don't know, but I just had to think about that for a second. I'm like, wow, it's like changed so much, you know, in a lot of well, ways. And think about like, I was in charge of the festival of the partners. So like no one was showing up until like one because yeah. the party was more over. important than the contest. Yeah, the party, yeah. Exactly. The, the party was, Oh yeah. The party was nutty. Um, and I remember walking from my hotel room and like seeing Antoine Dixon sitting over the kegs and like the kegs were empty. So he was drinking the bucket of like the left, like, you know, like the, when you pump and like, it's like just foam, foam and it just goes into a butt. <laughs> yeah. He was drinking the foam bucket oh, no. and I had never really known who he was. Like my coworkers told me and like, you, you know, it was, it, it was an interesting, it was one of the, like those things I always remember. I was like, wow, it, he really, he was a really hungover. He just really like, he needed, to, he needed drinks. Um, so that was, <laughs> but that was the kind of, it was just, it was a huge party. It was super fun. They did an amazing job. That was like such a good staple for Etnies um, and just Soltech in general for the culture. Um, and yeah, so we worked on that and uh, I ended up working with ESPN a lot. Uh, we worked at the X Games. I worked on like a big project. This is while you're still all at the, the agency? You were still mm -hmm. at this agency? Yeah. And uh, how old were you around this time? Because you were... You were still pretty fresh out of college. Uh, I was probably 26, 27, 28. Got it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Was this agency uh, in California or in Chicago? No, we're in Chicago. So okay. that's what oh, people crazy. are just wow. like, yeah. I don't understand you're from Chicago. I, we always said like, you know, when people in, in California want to go like surf and go get a taco at lunch, like we're still working in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're hard workers. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, wonder why I never met you because you were in Chicago this whole time. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, worth. That's that important to note because a lot of people hit us up or hit me up and they're like, "I need. Should I move to California?" I'm like, "No, stay where you're at. Like right. this industry needs to not exist in one place only. You know." Yeah. Well, but, but I was also lucky. I had like so people that I worked with, like Brian Quarles and Shaq Wazir, owned our Q skate shop in Chicago that folded and um, or they closed it up and they started, they worked at this agency and it just happened to be, they were able to kind of continue a lot of the relationships that they had from the skate shop. Gotcha. And then they're also super smart and can do all this marketing. So yeah, it kind of worked awesome. out really well. Um, what did you end up studying in like, what'd you end up getting your degree in, in school? Uh, in communication. So I okay. ended up not doing journalism in Boulder. I just, uh, ended up not being something comparably to like, if I was going to go to Boston, stay at Boston university, it was like the number one comm school is where Howard Stern went. Like that was literally, I was going to be the travel lady on the travel channel. And like really, you know, not the lady with the turtleneck who was just like does putting and golf for older people. I wanted to be like the Brooke Burke, but not the naked one, you know, I want to be fun. Which by the way, anyone can do now. It's the digital age. Go for it. Um, but yeah, Ashley, so just your mic down a little bit. Pull it's it down, little, yeah. It's popping. It's loud, yeah. Oh, it we is. Turned okay. it up, so now it doesn't need to be as close. Okay. All right. How's that? Sorry. Is that better? Yes. Okay. Amazing. Sorry. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was, um, I was still in Chicago, still young, um, and so one of my biggest clients was Zoom. 
headphones. And I also had Boost Mobile head, so boosted headphones. So that's like right when this became like a thing again, where uh, they they made like super funky headphones and uh, Skull Candy was just kind of starting and that kind of stuff. And uh, we had a project for Boosted, and they were we we helped navigate a sponsorship for Zoomies Couch Tour for Boosted headphones. And so we part of our you know contract with them was like we had to do the experience. So our experience was that we were going to do a car- like karaoke battles and we were going to bring a DJ and we were going to teach DJing in the booths. You know, and if anyone doesn't know who's, what Zoomies Couch Tour is, it, you know, uh, it no longer exists. It was around for like 13 years, I think. And it went from mall to mall where Zoomies locations were. And they did a full skate park where they brought pros, had a huge concert. Um, you know, there was anyone from like uh, Alkaline Trio played multiple times. Uh, the years I left, like uh, Big Boy played, like they, they spent a lot, it was the largest customer facing act activation that they did it was like a mini festival huge festival yeah yeah i mean when i'll get to that pre-festival culture too it was like yeah ahead of the curve yeah and um and still in just all chicago no no no, 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 did some stuff like that too like a lot of yeah it was it was like it was yeah it was mall yeah mall kid stuff um mall activations but it was a way for you know Zoomies to bring skateboarding to ensure that skateboarding was a pillar and seen and brought to as many people as possible. Because yeah. a lot of these uh, and, cities too, like maybe didn't have a skate park or like mm-hmm, wouldn't yeah. be a popular place that like a team would go demo at. So right, right, right. Yeah, it was like a and way so, to expose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you had enjoying almost like that whole that whole crew was always on it. Um, you know, by the time I was working on it further down the road, like we had girl and we had real, and it was really cool. I mean, it, they a lot of the industry started really embracing that yeah. uh, marketing opportunity because it was like such a one-on-one with kids. Uh, Cause they did a signing too. So they did the demo and then they had a contest and that was best foot forward. So the best foot forward amateur skate contest would do all, you know, have their contest going and then the finals. And then each person from there uh, would be inserted into, I think back then was the hometown heroes contest, which was that X games. So, um, awesome. and then, you know, it, it evolved and now, best before it has their own, you know, they're so much bigger and that's like their biggest facing thing that they do. But anyway, I had to go on tour as the boosted headphones girl because no one in my agency, <laughs> like they all looked at me and they're like, we're not going to go do it. You have to do it. So <laughs> I ended up going on couch tour. And so getting a lot closer to my clients at Zoomies, um, who we had already been kind of ingrained with and, um, was lucky because I think when they had an opportunity for an event marketing manager, uh, position out in Seattle, you know, they would always send me stuff, but I'm not entirely sure they were always saying like, Oh yeah, apply for this. It was just like, Hey, if you know anyone. And I was really over being in Chicago and just wanted to go do something different. And, uh, you know, the culture in Chicago is really bar based. And, um, as you could tell, I wanted like a lot of activity in my life and I didn't feel like I was getting those opportunities. And, um, I just said like, Hey, can I apply for this? They're like, Oh yeah. So I ended up getting the gig and I had just met my now husband, like a couple months before that. And I said, if I apply for this job, I'm probably going to get it because I know them really well. And like, I think I'm a good fit. Like, would you move to Seattle with me? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And so That's awesome. <laughs> he, picked, he picked up and left with me. Um, but yeah, awesome. so I, I was lucky that not a lot of people have the opportunity to work in an agency perspective with lots of brands where you have to kind of understand what their uh, initiatives are or perspectives or learn what they're saying or hear what they're saying and then kind of lead them down a path and then yeah. be able to say, Hey, my client hired me. So I got to jump into the brand side of it. And then, um, 
you know, it's kind of like the path. Usually it's more common the other way around. Like you're at the brand first and then maybe you go to agency or you start an agency after having years of experience mm-hmm. at a brand. Would you say that's more common? I don't know. I feel like I know more people that went from a big brand to an agency, but, um, you know. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know which one's more common. I know that it's not as easy. I try to tell a lot of people, like if you're on a brand or you have the opportunity to go to an agency, do it because you have to learn how to shuffle a lot. Mm-hmm. You have to learn about different, like uh, most times, at least the agencies I've worked at, I've had to have multiple clients. And so you have to be able to turn on and turn off. Like EA sports was like, I did an activation for FIFA soccer 10. And that was way different than like this Red Bull giant mountain bike thing that I was doing. Um, and it was a different type of client. So you just, you learn a lot and you get to be around all these different departments and at least the agencies I was at integrated you. Um, so I think it helped me learn a lot and and then I got to take that. Yeah. It like helped me become more of a generalist because of the fact that I just got to get my hands wet in a lot of different things. Uh, I think so, that's yeah, so, so important. I, I just want like want to touch on that because that I feel like for, for so long skateboarding or even action sports was just so like tunnel vision, so like homogenous that it needed people that had the bigger picture. Um, you know, not needed, but it just was valuable when people had a bigger picture view or like different experiences, like bring <clears throat> stuff to the table, like business wise and just other things. Um, and I think that's where like a lot of growth has happened and, yeah. you know, it's, I, I get it. Cause for so long, it's like about keeping things like how, you know, um, how they were done in the past or how, you know, a certain group of people wanted it, but that's also the limit, you know, like we talk about all the time. It's like, you're, there's a limit when everyone has the same experience and can only see things one way. So mm-hmm. anyways, I just wanted to, you know, point that out. No, it's too, I think it's super important. I think that's a big part of why I've been hired at certain places. Um, I, I I think skateboarding still needs it. I think it, it, a lot of skateboarding has started out with these people who are pro skateboarders or have been in the industry or pieces of the industry and they started these brands and then they know how to do that. That's their brand. They want to develop that, but they don't necessarily know all the pieces that they have to bring into it to help them actually sell things or grow or whatever that is. And some people say like, I just need this person to do social media. And it's like, well, but if that person doesn't understand, you know, brand communication or any of that kind of stuff, like you're going to silo really quickly. Um, and even just people who are, they need to market, like they may not know how to call a media company and know why that out of home piece is they're being hosed on or, you know, what this digital, uh, you know, what this acronym for digital means and what, you know, why someone's trying to sell you that and, should you really do influencers or whatever that is? Um, Yeah. And I genuinely, genuinely believe that that's also why skateboarding participation was like plateaued or even decreasing was the same thing is that how are you Mm going to understand how to speak to a 27 year old woman who's never stepped on a skateboard to invite her in and have her feel inspired and included um, if you don't ask someone who's a 27 year old woman, who's never skateboarded before, mm-hmm. or if you don't put someone that has that experience in the position of the messaging or the marketing, you know, and that's mm-hmm. obviously with skate like a girl, like that's what we do. And that's why it is successful in terms of like people keep showing up because no one's ever said, Hey, like skateboarding's for you. You should try it or come join us. They've always felt like, Oh, it's not for me. I can't do it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, but that's the same thing with even being on the business side of it. I would say that skateboarding needed to get out of the, Hey, I hid this board in a bush 
and here's a scavenger hunt on social media. Like for <laughs> three years, I, I always say that joke because it's just like that, that was people's marketing for a very long time. It worked, but like do some more, you know right, what I mean? Yeah, like let the yeah. pro do that and like leave the one that they just used, but don't like only do things like that. But I'd say, you know, it's the same thing with inviting people in general, if you don't have females in those positions yeah. or, you know, exposed or seen running around at events and looking like they're in charge, like other females don't feel like they could get included. And that, I still think that's relevant today. If there's been a lot of growth, but I, the hurdles are there. And I think it's there in sports in general. Um, but yeah. yeah, so. And then the argument for so long, which I know we've talked about this is that like, okay, well you don't skate. So you shouldn't, your opinion shouldn't matter in this round table meeting for marketing. <laughs> and it's like, that's a barrier that was so for so long, definitely created. And then that's why there's no diversity and there's no expansion. And that's why for so long, more and more girls weren't getting on a skateboard because that's literally people, that's what these decision makers, you know, I dealt with that at the companies that I was at too, you know, but it's just like that now I'm starting to see like, thankfully they're flipping it and being like, okay, you have a totally different experience than us. You should be here. You should come to this meeting, give your input, like share your experiences so we can learn from you. Not like, oh, well, you know, you don't, you're not like us. So get out of here. <laughs> but that's how it was for so long. It was just like, <laughs> yeah all right, cool. I guess none of my other professional experience or skills, you know, is relevant, but, um, so I think it's just important to like to highlight that, you know, um, there's a lot of women who paved the way for sure. And like, to me, you're one of them. And then there's others as well, but, and then for, you know, girls now watching or listening, um, who maybe are just starting to skate or learning to skate, but are interested on the industry side of things, it's like your experience and your opinion does absolutely matter. If anything, it's more valuable because it's less common. So like speak yeah. up, raise your hand, like share your insight. Like don't think that that because you haven't been skating for 20 years and you're like not a core skater that you don't have value to bring when, it, especially when it comes to like being on the business side of things, you know? So, well, and I think that I was, I was so lucky to get the role that I got at Zoomies. Um, I learned so much from that entire team and the ability, like what they just said, Hey, you can do this. Um, being in charge of Zoomies couch tour and having to deal with like finding the bands. Like I ended up being in charge of all the skate teams and you know, all those brands had to know me, but the lucky part about being at Zoomies is they're a big lifeline for a lot of brands. And so if I thought of ideas of like, Hey, like, we can help market for you. I promise you, I will keep like your brand top of mind. I won't like, like, cause it, back, this was like what, 2010. So there was still a lot of animosity about zoomies coming in and being more popular and skate shops, mm. hating them yeah. and telling people like they're kooks and whatever yeah. that is. But in the end, like zoomies has been incredibly supportive for every brand that's out there that has been able to actually get in there and has had the respect for Zoomies to say, Hey, you know what? Like we want to, we wanted to be partners with you. And, but it starts with the people and the people genuinely caring about those brands and the people of those brands to say, and like the skaters to say, Hey, like if you grow, then we grow. And like this whole industry will ultimately grow. And then my friends have money and they can continue right. and they'll be happy. And like, that's always been kind of my attitude with this uh, of working in skateboarding and just generally in life is like, if I can use any of the power I may have or foreseen power, like foreseeable power that I have because of the fact that I'm in whatever position, like how can I use that to elevate whomever that's in, you know, that in, in this atmosphere. So 
I tried really hard. I, I was lucky enough to be put in, in charge of a lot of the skate marketing. Um, and I had to genuinely just, I had to think about different multi-level promotions. I had an idea about something that one of the buyers told me that they were buying. I'm like, Hey, like, let's do this. We should do this on the website. And like, that was on like their e-com was just still developing when I was working there. So there was a lot of just learning and teaching people in the e-com department. Like, Hey, you can't, you know, you can't just like put that. If we're going to do like a shop by pro, you can't just put like, you know, uh, a bunch of hardware under Chris Cole that he's not sponsored by. Like, that's just not, you know, and that's, that was more of like, someone was trying to put together a kit so that people would buy it and they didn't know and someone didn't tell them. So my job was to look and say, Hey, I got to protect Chris. I got to protect his brands. And I also want to protect Zoomies because I want Chris and the brands that work with him to be stoked on us. And if we don't carry that hardware, then let's get the hardware. And I was able to do those things. And so I think a lot, I got a lot of access and opportunity to create allyships with people and brands within the industry who then were like, oh, you know what? Like she's not kooky. She actually like is genuine and wants you to, wants us to succeed. And oh yeah, she's this gateway to this giant retailer that I also have to work with. Um, and that's how we ended up getting kind of, you know, real and girl back onto Zumi's couch tour. And we're able to just say, hey, like we're going to do this right. And we're, we, we want to hear your feedback. We want to make sure that your brand is represented the way that you want it represented. And I promise you that I'm going to do that for you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I think that uh, that segued into a lot of other opportunities that I've had, but I mean, I worked on couch tour. I was leading, you know, I was lucky enough to take from the agency best foot forward and then run that and figure out all the locations and best foot forward is crazy because there's all the amateur skateboarders who then, you know, now are, a lot of them are pros. And so it was always weird to like see them at events and be like, Hey, cause I've known you since you were like 12 and it's like, I'm the old lady. And so like a lot, some people would call me skate mom. Like it was, uh, it was just funny. Um, yeah. you know, and That's then awesome. I, and now you are a mom. <laughs> I am a mom. Yeah. But I also let all their sponsorships too. So I was lucky to also say like, okay, I think we need to do these events. I worked on Tampa pro Tampa yeah. am. How do we get represented there? Zoomers is very particular about how they got represented at certain things. And so they just gave me a lens of saying, let's not blow things out. Let's be really intentional on how we support this event. Is it money's one thing, but like, how do we also make an experience for people? How do we make their event better with our resources? And so I've always been able to kind of think that way, which is cool. And I was lucky enough that one of my sponsorships was Street League. The first three years of Street League, uh, I helped broker the the contract for that and had to activate it. And I thought I like knew a lot of like most of the players within skateboarding at that time. But the first time I showed up at the street league to do our activation, which was like to give, um, uh, we were doing, you know, I don't even think I have it. I have this like neon light from it. It's like the, um, there's this zoomies award that they got like cash and it was like, it was $2 bills. <laughs> so I had to walk around with $2 bills and, um, and it was a very lonely experience because I had to do all these videos and like a lot of the guys didn't know me. And I was like, Hey, I'm really sorry. I don't want to like interrupt your practice, but like, can you come and do this? Cause it's part of our deal. And, um, and I had some really great people take me under their wing, like Nikki Reyes and, um, Chad Foreman and just people who like saw this like blonde, tall girl walking around street league being like, what is she doing? And why does she have a ton of money on her right now? <laughs> they would just be like, Hey, like, well, come hang out with us. And, uh, and you know, they, they exposed me to a lot of other people and kind of gave me like the thumbs up from some people in the industry that I hadn't known before. Um, and then, you know, I worked on street league with all of them 
for those first three years. And, you know, I was lucky enough after I left Zoomies, they called me and were like, Hey, do you want to come work here? So, you know, I was, whatever I did, I made a footprint in a positive yeah. manner, um, where they were able to remember me. And I think, you know, I wouldn't ever have had those opportunities without kind of the encouragement and, um, yeah. positivity and opportunity that I got at Zoomies. Well, I'm so like in that sharing all that story, especially thinking about Zoomies and what I know Zoomies to be in like dominant skate culture and the role in helping, um, like as a sort of a, a bridge for Zoomies to the rest of skateboarding and the sort of different activations and events, like authenticity that you brought and made sure that whatever Zoomies' relationship to skateboarding and skateboarding's relationship to Zoomies, like authenticity was already, always there, whether it was like individual skaters, the brand, what have you, like you being that key piece, I think was so vital. Um, and I, that's what I see is like the footprint along like your sort of career path and what makes you memorable and why people are like, no brainer. Like if there's a position that opens up or whether it was with, um, after the agency or going into zoomies or even where you speak to street league and them reaching out to you and being like, yo, Hey, you want to come work with us? Like that authenticity piece is like crucial in anything you do, I think, but to skateboarding, like nothing will survive without that piece. So I think I see how like you've been so pivotal with the folks you've worked with, uh, work, worked with, whether it's the brand um, or like actual individuals has been yeah. so crucial and critical. And like, I think, yeah. And like just listening to you share, like the takeaway that I hear is that it's less about like your personal, like actual biography, your, your history, what you actually did and all that, but it's more about your ability to like understand other people's perspectives and understand culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's super powerful because it like so much of what's like, at least in my experience and like the industry is all about like, what have you done? Like, what can you do? Who, like, who do you know? And people get so focused on that that you're missing this opportunity to emphasize it if you have like real interpersonal skills or communication skills um, to just get people's experience. That is so powerful when it comes to business, life, relationships, whatever, networking, all that stuff, right? And people get so stuck in like, I'm right, you're wrong, or you don't get me because you're different than me. And instead, it's not about like saying, okay, you're right, you're wrong. But it's like, hey, I can get that this is how it is for you. I can get how this is how this it this is how it is for you, and then have everyone work, work together. And like to me, that's what a lot of these successful partnerships, businesses, you know, are about. Um, is like your ability to understand people's different perspectives, whether it's a corporate, a well, a ginormous corporation like Zoomies, to like you know, the amateur skater kid who's 14 and, you know, on his way to like getting sponsored or whatever. Um, and I think that's like pivotal. And I also was going to ask you, like, do you feel like being a woman, like that's something I feel like women have this ability to listen and empathy is a part of, you know, um, just like the, the, if you look at like how young girls interact, how young boys interact with each other, like, you know, I'm not like an expert in this, but I generally notice that, you know, being women, there is this level of empathy built in that's like natural. And maybe those are like instincts of like what it looks like to be a mom or to be a caretaker. Um, that, that actually provides a lot of value. So I was just curious, like, I mean, could a dude have done your job? Like, I don't know, <laughs> you know? Um, um, but I, you have to remember too, that I have a unique background. I, 
actually I'll tell you like where I went after Zoomies, but um, I, especially after I left Zoomies, I kind of looked at Zoomies as a, like there was an agency side of it. So I had an opportunity to look at all these brands that needed to do, wanted to be a part of Zoomies, either be in it or needed the extra marketing if they were already there. And so I had to think of ways to help them make money, make a footprint within the community that is Zoomies' community, but then also Zoomies needs to make money. So I was, I was, I had to look out for my brand who I worked for in their best interest. But then I also wanted to make sure that I could almost create these little clients out of all these different brands and bring them into these things that we owned to say, Hey, like, let's all work on this together. And so, um, I think my, like, I think a lot of my background helps with that, but yeah, I think, you know, at least most women that I know have a, a big heart and, and especially people that I've known in this industry, like there's a, there's a hustle. We have to hustle. I am a female in the skateboarding industry or I was, I'm not, I'm not as ingrained as I used to be, but you always have to kind of work harder, work smarter, um, work more thoughtfully and make sure that people know that like, you're not just the girl who's trying to sleep with whatever skater. And that sucks to say, because it, it, and I, I don't think it's like that as much as it used to be, but back then it was, yeah. I genuinely had women who were my mentors and good friends now who were just like, don't sleep with skaters. Otherwise no one's going to ever hire you ever again. And I was like, okay, I don't want to do that anyway, but thanks. It's such a weird thing to like randomly say to me at an event. Um, you know, what's crazy. Like that, I got that. I don't know if someone told that to me, but I somehow, had that same message, but it wasn't so much with the pro athletes. It was just in general with other men in the industry. They're like, if you yep. want to be taken seriously as a marketing person or whatever, do not mix your personal life with, you know, people like, cause that would happen. Right. And then I really took that to heart. And then I, I shared that with someone that I was kind of like mentoring and I saw her recently and I was like, do you remember when I said that to you? And she was like, yeah, that was like really good advice. Cause she was just starting out. And I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, if you're going to date anyone, just like, I really recommend just not dating anyone in this industry. But then I was like thinking back and I was like, like, I don't, I felt kind of bad. I was like, I just told you how to live your personal life. And she was like, yeah, yeah it was really helpful. And I don't but know, it's, it was interesting how I don't that think, sort of became a thing, you know? But I don't, if, I think that if you don't share those experiences down to the next person, if someone doesn't tell them and they make that one mistake, yeah. Um, and it's not even a mistake. Like what if that person met, met like meets and marries mm -hmm. someone within the industry? That's great. Yeah. However, you know, there are certain perceptions of like, if I'm leaving, let's say we're a street league in Vegas and I was having a drink with a friend or two friends down in the, in, you know, the main area where there's strippers and whatever it is, like if we all get in the elevator together or two of us get in the elevator together and one's a man, one's a female, like there are just people, it's just gossip. Like the right. industry is very small. And when people don't have anything to talk about or they want to, or someone's feeling bad about themselves and they feel like bringing someone else down, which, you know, misery loves company, that just happens. And I feel like it's easier to point the finger at the female to say, Hey, she sucks. And because I'm intimidated by her and versus the guy who's like, the guys are like, Ooh, good job with that. Like you tap that. Like that's a thing. Like I remember right. being at one of the, you know, biggest contests out there that, it was a genuine goal for a bunch of the skaters to sleep with all the monster girls. Like that was a thing. And it was awful to think about. And I didn't want to be obviously like, it's hard to sit around and talk, like hear that, but I'm not going to insert myself and say like, you guys really like, 
I'm not going to be your mom right now. You know, <laughs> like I'm not, gonna, I, but I could, I, I was in a weird position to not stand up for those girls because I couldn't be the lame one in this like funny thing that they well, were Your doing. job would be compromised also because then right. that's something yeah. that would be a strike against you. And that's just like, that's like such a systemic you know, it is. And that's, I mean, it's not even just in, it's in every sport. It's not just skateboarding. Yeah. I think that, you know, we live it and it's a little more, you know, it's a grimier in skateboarding and it's probably, you know, the community is so small that everybody knows and talks about things pretty freely. And I think back then too, I mean, even on, I was on a lot of different tours and, you know, being around a bunch of men, young men who are constantly looking for girls to hook up with in every single city. Like, it's just like, as an adult and someone who's a mom of a girl, like it, like, it makes me sick to my stomach just to right. think that I was of a young enough age and also tiptoeing around enough to not stand up for those girls and be like, what are you doing? don't do that. Don't do that. I know I did it to one girl and I was like, Hey, like, I know he's one of the biggest pros out there, but like, you're just, just think a little harder about this. And you know, she did whatever she was going to do, but at least I felt better that I was like, I'm going to be your cheerleader. Like, please don't, but yeah. whatever. I mean, maybe she wasn't trying to work in the industry either. I mean, like when you bring a full circle, like there's, uh, if you work in any business, you know, you don't want to be the person who's dating everybody in the office and our office is really an industry. And, yeah. um, but, and if you're genuinely dating someone who's in the industry, like, you know, you just don't flaunt it. You don't make out at events with each other. And like, you don't just, right. you don't be that person who's just like, I'm on Instagram and I'm dating this pro. Yeah. Like, don't do that. Right. Um, and that's anywhere. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but anyway, like respecting, so respecting the structure and whatever hat you're wearing and being very clean about like, okay, now I'm putting this hat on, yeah. now I'm taking this hat off. And I think that's something that was a challenge in our industry back then because, um, the whole point of like the whole attraction of being in the action sports industry and being part of the culture was there was less of a line between mm -hmm. work and play. Like you didn't have to go put on a suit, you right. know, like, you know how you could just wear whatever you wore and you'd hang out with your friends at work and then afterwards at the bar. Um, and I think the challenge is to kind of like learn from maybe some other industries, whether they're older or younger, but just like add some of that structure and that professionalism in, um, and I think that's something that I, I have seen some progression and growth because we have to remember the industry is pretty, it was young, you know, it's, it's a, it was rooted in youth culture and it's been evolving. And now there's people that are older, you know, and have learned, we've learned from our mistakes and things like that. So, so there's always think, a time to like put the professional hat on and remember when you need to put on the party hat. Yes. Um, and I yeah. think that's something that's learned. It's not necessarily that's something in your gut Yeah. Uh, because not everybody in the skate industry is that professional person wearing a, yes. you know, a, yeah. an, a coat, you know, or a tie. Yeah, yeah. Like, you yeah. have to know how to make your uh, audience comfortable. And I think that was something I learned over time with the organizations that I was able to work with is just being like, Hey, you know, like we just, you need to know how to talk to people and yes. get down yeah. to their level or, you know, not make them feel belittled or feel like they can't uh, relate to you because you're talking about, you know, getting them sponsorship money or whatever that is. So I think, yeah, there's just, there's some learning in that. Um, but just, yeah. you know, no one to turn down the party knob, yeah. <laughs> turn, turn it down from 11 once in a while. <laughs> That's so interesting to think about. Like, um, one I'm hearing like the evolution of it all, the culture in general and how it's actually mm -hmm. bigger, like you said, Molly, than skateboarding. Um, and like how, over time, yes, there has been pr uh, progress, but I'm curious, like Molly, do you have 
advice or anything to offer up in terms of you too, Kim, because I know both of you have experience um, directly in the industry, but like advice to folks that are navigating the industry that are like maybe newer to the industry um, or playing more of a behind the scenes role um, just in what that, how to navigate. Cause like you said, it wasn't necessarily like an instinctual thing. It was something more learned Molly. And so I'm curious because I get that part of the professional hat is probably a little bit of that party hat um, and feeling like, you know, there's relatedness between you and like your client or the skaters or whoever. Um, so I'm curious, like if you all, if it's not instinctual, like what sort of advice or what would, what could you share for anyone that is like looking to be on that side of things and like further the conversation of skateboarding, um, from that sort of position? Um, I would say that there's gotta be a little bit of instinct in some of this because mm -hmm. you have to, or drive, you have to have an understanding of like, what's your North star. Um, and if you just want to be a part of the culture and be, you know, part, not necessarily part of the party culture, but just like, you just want to be around it and you want to be on Insta, you want to Instagram everything. And like, that's just what you want to be. And you always want to be a brand manager for whatever thing. And like, you don't want to, you know, that's makes you happy. That's totally cool. I think for me, I was kind of always looking for the next step of like, how can I help this evolve? How, like, how can I take the situation that I'm in to make it a better one in the future? Uh, and I think, you know, I did a lot of that at street league because we were trying to get a much bigger audience, which ultimately would have helped the skateboarding industry. Um, you know, and now look at us, we're all going to the Olympics. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think from, from an advice perspective, I, I do, it is, it's not an easy industry to get into. You, I still think it's some, you're, you really need to be able to put yourself out there, network, go to the places uh, that have people that you want to talk to. Don't be afraid to go on LinkedIn and say, hey, I really admire what you're doing. I think we're really lucky in this age that a lot of people our age and um, even older in the industry have realized that they are mentors or they could put themselves out there. And they're also trying to find them their own personal brands. Um, you know, a lot of brands have gone away and they're, or even, you know, big pros don't have their brands anymore. They want to figure out who they can be, or they're trying to develop their next brand and they need allies and they need people to be positive about whatever they're doing. And so I think that you shouldn't be afraid to reach out to someone and say, Hey, I'd love to take you out for coffee. Um, you know, this is the reason why I want to talk to you. Like I, I've definitely been approached by people before who are just like, they just want to kind of pick my brain, but they don't have any lot of structure or what they're really trying to get out of it. And what, it, and I've also had people who just like, I kind of just want an intro to someone. And I'm like, that's one thing, but like, I want to, I'm not going to make an intro to you just on one coffee unless I understand where your pathway is. And I think there's a lot of thought process that has to go out before you just like take someone out to a coffee or even ask them on LinkedIn. Like, it can't just be like, Hey, like you had a cool career. Can I just talk to you? And it's like, well, why? You know, cause right. I, you know, you have to be respectful of people's time. Um, but making sure that you're aware of what's going on, you know, group Y has a lot of those cool events, uh, like, you know, making sure that you understand who those players are and not be afraid to say, I want this, this is what I want. And this is what I don't want make sure you have that list and then go for it and find those people. Cause you will, you will always find champions. Like there are people who will champion you and share their experiences. Uh, it's just, you gotta be willing to hear no, and you have to be willing to hear and, and put yourself out there and say, yeah, I gotta learn. Cause you might learn something and be like, wow, I don't want to do that anymore. But this person just gave me this advice and I want to pivot to do whatever, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I would, I definitely would agree with the, the, having the why part. Like if you are clearly like so specific and 
like intentional about why you want something or why you're going to do this or why this is your goal, like that's, you know, contagious. So if you're like telling me or someone else about how inspired you are, you know, to, um, start a girl skate meetup in your city and you're stoked about it, I'm going to get stoked about it too. And then I'm going to be more incentivized and inspired to like maybe send some emails on your behalf or whatever it is. Um, but I think it, it takes, you know, doing the personal work and the digging on your own to figure out like, am I just doing this because I think I can make money? Am I doing this because I think I'll have more followers or like, I'll get famous. Like what's your reason? And like do the time spend the time to get clear on that. And if you're not clear on it, it's okay. Like just go do stuff and try things and figure it out and fail. And, you know, um, I think age also provides clarity around that as well. So it's okay to just bounce around and it's okay to know, um, to be okay with that. Cause a lot of people, I think young people deal with like, I need to know what I'm doing. What's my purpose. And like, they get really stressed about that. And I actually would say like, kind of just roll with it. And like, it'll start to become more clear as you get older. Um, yeah. But I think for me, it always boils also back down to like creating value for yourself first. Like someone is going to like, if you can like the technology and what's available now, like everything's at your fingertips, like you can absolutely create value on your own first um, and sort of sort of have that be like leverage to go then ask for sponsorship or an introduction or connection or something and like that also is, um, it's just like actions over words. Right. So it's like the evidence that shows that you're capable of creating something, which would be a reason why someone would want to hire you or want to write you a check or something like that. So I would say like, you got to create your own value first and then use that as a leverage to like build on that. And also don't be afraid to share. Like if you've done some cool stuff, even if it was just like, I don't know, like a, a fun little contest at your local skate park or a little jam for like 20 people, like don't downplay that, like share it. Be like, Hey, this is what I created. This is what I did with me and my friends and no budget. And it's like, that is impressive. So don't be afraid to like tell people about what you're up to because then they might tell someone else and they might tell someone else. And it, you just never know where that conversation is going to go. Um, yeah. So yeah. I would say like, I was, um, <clears throat> Stuart from Zoomies has always been like a good, mentor for me. Um, he's going to laugh when he hears this, but, uh, I, I remember very specifically because of the position he was in, he was in charge of our marketing department. He would not take a meeting with anyone unless like all of the scenarios had been run through because his time was so valuable and you just only had so much of it that you were really bringing him into the fold because you really needed a different perspective and you had like crossed all the T's and dotted every I and you just couldn't get the solution. And so you needed him in there. And so I always try to give that advice to people is that when you're talking to anyone, even if you're talking to your boss and you're like, Hey, I did this, or this is, you know, can you give me this information? I tended to send back to them and go, what have you ever done to try to find the answer to this? Cause mm-hmm. if they haven't done any of the work, they're being lazy, you know? And there like, is a lot of people out there first. do your right. homework and do the work. And I will, you know, I'm happy to, to talk to you or do whatever that is, but you, I, you need to do some mental work on this before you just drain my brain. Cause I need yeah, my right. brain for a whole, a whole lot of other stuff. So I, I yeah. Well, yeah. number one advice that's in life and just at work in general is that if you have, you know, problems that you need to solve and you're supposed to be bringing, you know, you need stuff from your boss, make sure that you've gone through like every single thing. Cause do that homework. 
Yeah. yeah. I also think like, that's the beauty of like this culture is that your peers are probably more valuable, you know, than anyone above you in the sense that like what they can provide. So if you're trying to like create something or have ideas, like ask all your friends first before you try to ask someone who maybe you think has a, is in a position of power or influence or something. Um, like do that questioning and that listening and that surveying, and that is actually what, you know, people in leadership positions like want to hear about. It's like, oh, well, I talked to 50 local skaters at the skate park and this is what I came up with. So this is why, you know, I'm asking you now or something like that. You know, I just feel like there is value in working with your peers and your friends and um, maybe, you know, inherently skateboarding is more of like a solo, like lone wolf type of activity. But I would say like, you know, try to take on working with other skaters and collaborating. Yeah. I would also say, look at stuff that's outside of what you're currently doing. Um, when I left Zoomies, um, I was really lucky as I was leaving the, I think he's the VP of Ecom, uh, took me under his wing for like the past six days there. I, it was very nice of him to do this. He didn't need to. And he really kind of coached me through like writing down like, Hey, what is it that you want? And I'm like, I don't, I mean, I want this, but I don't know what I want. And he's like, you need to write down, like, what is it that you want? And what are you willing to do for it? And I wrote it down after I left and I took 30 days off, which was like the, my biggest blessing. Cause I was so stressed out at that job because I put everything into it and it wasn't necessarily their fault. I did a lot of that to myself. Um, and that's one of my biggest personal problems when it comes to work as I like, like to overwork and have things to do constantly. Uh, and, um, and I wrote that down. I kind of was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And I went to an agency right after that, which ended up, I kept on finding myself trying to use my clients to give money to action sports. <laughs> so worked with Nitro Circus and stuff. It was actually pretty funny because I worked with Frito-Lay and, um, but I had a lot of opportunity to, to learn from all the first time women bosses that I've ever had in my entire career. And I got to work on like strategy and research and stuff that like had never been exposed to before. And I didn't have to take those opportunities. They were just things that like I could step up to the plate and say, Hey, I'll, I'll help on that team because of, because it's there. And I wanted to continually learn. And so I would say that if you have those opportunities within your workplace or place you're volunteering, or you see a spot in a volunteer opportunity where you'd be like, Hey, I would love to fill that hole for you. Like take it. I have learned, mm -hmm. I like, I would have never been able to do what I did at street league. If I hadn't had that tight, that one year window at the agency I had between zoomies and street league, I, you know, mm -hmm. I learned way more about media buying, um, huge budgets that I got to work on. And it just, I was exposed to stuff that like, I didn't even know I could have done. And it, which, cause that wasn't what I did at zoomies. I was more brand marketing and that kind of stuff. And they had people who bought, who bought media and, um, and did research and did a lot more of the data stuff. And also, that wasn't really, they were now they're really, really super heavy in data, but that wasn't really like how the, the world was working at that point. So, you know, do whatever you can, if there's opportunity or you, you want to create the opportunity for yourself, like ask if you yeah. said, someone says no, like at least, you know, that you asked. Totally. Um, I so. think the other thing, just from listening to both of you, that's super powerful is like doing your homework, like knowing your value. And like, I'm hearing a lot of like, don't, drain your resources. So to me, I'm also hearing like, be prepared on, be mindful or like take some time to think about how are, can you actually contribute to the folks that you're like looking to, you know, if you've like done all the homework, you know, your value and you want to like make a request or an ask and you want to take something on like also knowing your value, I think would help 
in turn show how it can actually contribute to those around you that you might be trying to partner with. So I think that is also another huge takeaway too. Um, yeah. Yeah. So cool. I have a, I have one last kind of industry question and then we can yeah. change gears, yeah. but, yeah, um, yeah. what do you think needs to not needs to happen, but what do you think the opportunity is? So given that there's still plenty of gaps in like the stuff that you dealt with and your positions, um, the stuff that you saw in the culture, like what are some productive actions that the industry can take? And I know there's been some really great gains even in the past like two years. Um, but from your perspective, what do you see would be really valuable and effective that could happen is like to deal with even some of these systemic, you know, cracks in the foundation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think I, I was, when I got hired at street league, I was really lucky to have bosses and Rob, obviously who was super forward thinking to say, Hey, we could be, this could be a lot bigger. This, we could, you know, we, we want to make this something that continually drives the industry, helps drive the industry. And of course, like helps these people get paid. And, you know, we want to make sure that this stays core, but then we, we have all this opportunity with TV and all that kind of stuff. And they said like, we want a marketing plan. They also had really good investors who believed in them and, um, and also believed in saying, Hey, Molly, like you've done this stuff, like here's a budget go, what would you do? Uh, and I think that, I think this industry has always had this like roller coaster of like when it's up, it's up when it's down, it's like brutally down. Um, I'm, I'm fearful to see what happens over this, you know, this period of time with the economy and like who hangs on and who doesn't. I mean, we've, we've been through those roller coasters to just watch like iconic brands just bail because they have to. Um, and then they reinvent themselves and hopefully it goes well, but, um, people are always gun shy to spend. And cause when, when, the times are down. They're like, we don't have any money, but I'm like, but if you don't bring new people into the fold to really either, whether it's like they're already skateboarders, but they didn't really know a lot about your brand. And so you're already talking to people who know skateboarding or you want to bring people into the culture. Like, don't be afraid to do that. And that was literally my job at, at street league was to like, make sure that you're serving the core, but then also figure out a way to get more people to watch our shows, get on the webcast, like you know, buy more stuff, like buy tickets, you know, want to be engaged. And, um, I think any, it's not necessarily just the industry, but there's people who are just gun shy to say, Hey, like, you know what? I've never done a digital campaign before with cash behind it. Besides what my like social media person does to boost posts on Facebook. Like maybe I should just talk to an expert and just put a little bit of budget to aside so I can get some data to actually compare against when I do the next one, because you can't like, until you have like a base, a baseline of what could be successful for you, you're never going to know where, like if what you're doing is being, is kind of moving the needle. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just, it's like, don't be afraid to, to step out of just talking to the people that you already have within your CRM database or the people that you know are already, you know, going on skate on thrasher. Like you have to start thinking bigger, like the Olympics are happening. Like this yeah. is going to be the biggest opportunity, just like snowboarding had to bring new people into the fold. It is an incredibly accessible sport. Uh, it's not expensive to get into there, you know, more and more skate parks are opening up, like hopefully more and more, uh, legal spaces will be opened up at least within the United States. And, um, I think we're going to see a big, hopefully a big surge of opportunity, but you have to do it in the right way. Like don't make the kid who wants to get on a skateboard and 
saw his friends on a longboard and he bought a longboard, make him feel like he's an ass because he has a longboard. Like that doesn't right. matter. Like the kid spent money in the industry, has a set of four wheels underneath him and is learning how to push and maybe could progress to, you know, street skating or going to the park or influencing the kid below him to then go by a, a board. And like, that's what it is. You have to build an army of people who are enthusiastic and feel like they're part of the community to then grow the entire community. And I think that's one of the biggest hurdles the industry has always had is that they're so afraid to like let other people in because it'll ruin the culture or like it's blown out or, you know, someone's, someone's, um, you know, you utilizing the, the culture for their own benefit. I mean, yeah, like you have the Louis Vuittons and all that kind of stuff that do stupid, stupid things. Pottery Barn Kids has like, you know, skateboards up on the walls and they're selling them as uh, art for kids. You know, like if they wanted to be authentic and really cool, like they would have talked to a brand and say, Hey, like here almost like let's, can you just make blank boards for us, but we'll buy them from you and we'll support the industry. That's not how they think. However, <laughs> we have the ability to start getting more and more people to understand about the culture and say, Hey, like, we're not very scary. Like you can go to the skate park and we're not going to yell at you. Or we really want to encourage more girls to get on the boards. Like that's the other thing too, is just the business side of this. And I can say from my personal experience, like once I was out of street league, like I was actually pretty surprised about, I, I almost felt like people were threatened that I was, I was out of a gig and still in LA because I have a pretty good resume. Like I, I'm proud of that. I've worked really hard and I think I've made a footprint that was pretty positive. And, um, I definitely didn't find it an easy, like I didn't, I wasn't sure I want to stay in skateboarding anymore at that point. Um, I'd been out of, in and out of it twice, but I was like, you know, I should try to go work at these places, but it was like, it was just filled with guys and guys, friends and, this one person who was a pro once who didn't have any education, which they have life education. So you don't want to devalue that. But what I brought to the table from like a marketing perspective was just so different than what I knew they were hiring for that role or like a certain role. And I'd look at like the job description. I'm like, that's literally what I do. Like, I know that I can like, I would crush this job. And it was just more guys were getting hired and more guys. And it, like, that wasn't that long ago. And so I think that organizations really need to think through if they are really trying to market to females um, and all genders in general, they need to have people who have a perspective that's differently different than a male dominated uh, white industry, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, and they need to hire people who can soften those brands a little bit to say, Hey, this is how I would approach this. Or, Hey, you're trying to start like a female skate contest. Maybe you should have a female leader on that team. Who's trying to start it because, uh, having a guy talk at a bunch of women to say, Hey, can you go do this for us is kind of silly. Um, because we just, it, we're, you know, thank God for me too. <laughs> is that like, I feel a lot of people are really trying to find their voice a little bit more and we're getting a little bit, uh, we're giving, we're, we have been given the okay to start standing up for ourselves depending on industries and how it's taken. Um, and I just think that the more brands that say, Hey, this female perspective is important, whether she's been on a board or not is, is a big deal. Uh, Nike has done a phenomenal job with that. Obviously Adidas does a really good job with it. Um, but you know, it's, it, there are more people who need to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I love it. I love that yeah, answer. I just want to add here too, like, I don't know who's listening, but if someone that is in the industry, you know, does happen to listen. Um, to me, the next level is, okay, great. You have a woman on the team, you know, like 
first steps. Awesome. She's at the table. Mm -hmm. But what I, what I'm seeing currently is what's just killing me is like, okay, you put her there. Great job. Like pat on the back, but also like actually (laughs) give her like decision-making like a like give her the ability to make decisions give her the ability to spend money like don't just Mm -hmm. put her there and then say okay she's here it's almost like a waste of your money you you might as well not pay her to be on your team and an employee because if you're not actually going to use her ideas or give her the autonomy to say hey i think this is how we're doing i have the final say then it's just a waste of money i'm like so that's the next step is like okay great you got her there but actually somehow let all your past experience and your ego, like you're going to have to do, I, I get it. Cause I sometimes feel like my ego gets in the way. Like you're going to have to figure out how to like set your ego aside and actually take the case that she, her idea might be more effective than yours. Not because of her massive resume or mm-hmm. because she's been a core skater for 20 years, but simply because of, her experience, you know, and that's like what I'm seeing right now that's just like killing me. And I'm just like, you have to like just trust that it is gonna be scary to put this person who is probably younger, right? And isn't the same gender as you in a position of leadership, but like to trust her, like it's just like to me, it's like such a simple solution that yeah. I think is a, a real barrier for a lot of people right now. Or a lot and of I'm brands. so glad that you actually took it further than that. Cause I always, I'm always like pie in the sky, like, yeah, you put it on there. And of course they're gonna like, if they're gonna put them on there, there's it's purposeful, right? Like they're going to right. utilize that person. Like I was lucky. I mean, um, trying to think of like Zoomies, at least in the marketing department, like it was a big percentage female. Uh, I mean, I was in charge of the skateboarding and the sponsorships for Zoomies. I mean, it was, uh, so that and, and couch door. And then at street league, like we were a big chunk female and a lot of the big power mover shakers who were making things happen in the most successful times that they had, where we were selling out events, had the biggest sponsors, like where, you know, people were, we were able to actually bring like a female contest into the fold. Like there were women who were literally like throwing up to get like, get things done. Like they were just working their asses off and just like wanted to push because they not only they wanted to, you, I think the perspective, like what men generally, at least in the, this industry, and I know in sports in general that I've been in, um, they hire people, then they don't really validate how much harder we have to work to get our words in at a meeting or our ideas out or to be validated just in general. Like it's, uh, we've been brought to the table and you know that someone up high had believed in what you wanted to do. Um, but that doesn't mean that you've necessarily brought everybody else on board. And so you have to work those 12 hour days. You have to prove that like you care, you have to prove that you're not kooky. You have to prove like everything under the sun. Um, and it's exhausting. Yeah, (laughs) It's absolutely exhausting. And, but like street league did a great job with bringing different, those different perspectives in, but there was still, there's still hurdles because skate, Boarding. you know, no matter what it was, uh, are you, you know, you don't, you don't skate, you wouldn't know that. Or, and that, that wasn't necessarily just at street league. That was at, uh, at lots of companies that I've worked at. So, you know, it is, you have to remember that there are women and all genders have different, anyone who has anything that's different than just a white male in general has maybe a different perspective that you have to sit, take a step back and say, Hey, like I have to understand where they're coming from to make sure that I'm respecting where that person has been and why they're thinking the way they are. And then also remember that they might need 
a champion and someone to help lift them up in this situation that's generally difficult, more difficult for them than it would be necessarily for them. Yeah. Yeah. The other person, you know. And the pool is getting bigger too. I think that's the thing. Like there are people who there's, you know, women who have grown up skateboarding and, you know, have a college degree, which I'm not saying a college degree is always a prerequisite for like a job in the industry, but in the past that was a challenge. It was like, okay, if you went to college, you probably didn't skate, right? Like Mm -hmm. that was like me. I didn't skate growing up as a kid. Like I found it later in life. Um, so, but now the pool is a lot larger. So it's like for these brands to say, Oh, like, I don't know, like there's no one. It's like, no, there's tons of amazing people Mm -hmm. out there. Like, um, so it's just like, you got to start tapping in, you know? So anyways, preach into the choir here, but, um, I know we can talk you know, forever about all that stuff. But, um, I, we did want to switch gears. Oh yeah. I just want to ask one last, just like clear thing, just as a solid, uh, like a, a cool note to kind of end this piece of the conversation on. And it's Molly, just thinking about something that you're really part of that you've contributed to, or that you've been a part of the process or like furthered the the larger conversation at hand, whether it's in the inside or for the larger skate community or what. So what's something that you're just really proud of that you've been a part of, um, or that you contributed to? Um, a couple things. I mean, I think, uh, I think I said some of it already is that like, I was really proud of how we were able to, um, get more positive relationships at Zoomies with the skate industry. I think that they're I actually saw a lot of correlation between my role at Zoomies and Street League because there was, you know, just how everybody does. Like there was a lot of hate at one point for Zoomies because of the way that, you know, they were a bigger retailer and other people weren't innovating and they were. Um, and there was this hurdle that I had to get over with these people who were like, oh, we don't want to play the game, but we feel like we might, but we need someone who's going to help us. And then when we went to Street League, it was kind of the same thing. It was like, people are so anti-big contests back then. And they were like, oh, I mean, like, they're just, cor- they're making this all corporate, like, screw this. Like, we don't want to be a part of this. And so there was a lot of like, um, just the way that you had to approach things was, I get where you're coming from but we're going to do this well and we're going to do it right. And we want to hear your feedback and we're going to take it to heart and we're going to improve and we're going to make this great for everybody. Because in the end, if we can grow the industry, everybody will do well and our friends will have jobs and our friends can go skating and you know, the culture can continue to grow and on and on. And like, that was always where like my heart has been. And I saw a lot of those two things between those two companies. Um, and I think that one of the things that like, I was so proud of how we were able to bring new people into street league. Um, you know, not only just the skaters, I mean, like you had this amazing set of the best 25 guys, and then you had more and more people as we've developed like this whole qualification system with Tampa pro and we were able to work with the guys at spot, which I know really helped them as well. Um, and then we were able to just, because of our relationships with Fox, figure out ways to get skateboarding into a little bit more of the mainstream and like have people like, like my husband's not a skateboarder. Like he has, you know, grew up kind of the similar way that I did. He skateboarded and stuff, but he wasn't like, he was a a lacrosse player and hockey player. Like, but he's the kind of guy that like, he saw it on Fox sports. He's like, I would watch this, you know, but he would help me and say, Hey, like we need to explain this better. And like, how do we make Mm -hmm. this so that there's a door open, which is going to be really important for the Olympics too. And so it was almost like this interesting runway. Um, so, you know, being more accessible, you know, being able to make sure that the, uh, the industry felt like 
it could evolve in a way that was authentic and not being blown out and being super corporate and that like people were protecting them. Um, and then the other thing was just, I, I've said this to both of you is just like, I was always, I was super proud of the work that we did from the female front at street league. And I, I wasn't there for the, the next step and the next step, but being able to advocate for the first ever television show for female skateboarding contests, like that was a big part of what I was doing. And you know, there wasn't a lot of resources internally for that contest to get a lot of uh, attention. I mean, just that's the, that was the nature of it. Like we had to do that contest. We needed to make sure that that was being fulfilled, but you know, there wasn't necessarily the sponsorship dollars and we had all these other, you know, sponsors that were expecting things from the mail contest. And, and I was like fierce about like, we have to have videos. We need to try to do as equal as we possibly can, you know, and then the contest happened. Um, the webcast was really big and it just grew the following year as well. And like, so I, I, I worked on two years of it and um, it was just like watching it grow. And then me actually being able to learn more about the female skaters. Like it was one of those, like, how do I not know all these people? Like I mm -hmm. felt just because I'd been in the industry for so long and I, it was almost starting all over again at that first street league. Like I didn't necessarily know those people and I had to be like, Hey, I'm Molly. I'm head of marketing for street league. I just want you to know, like, if you need anything, like I'm here for you. I know there's a lot of questions and they would we go to Mimi, but you know, like they, <laughs> I, I wanted to, it was, it was a little uncomfortable, but I was really, really proud of seeing the start of that. And then to, to, to today, and I'm not saying street league was the only reason why there's so many more girls getting on boards, but I do think that there was a big part of that, that helped influence um, that was pivotal, the industry sure. to say, Hey, yeah. like, this is like, not only, not only like, Hey, they're here. We need to pay attention to all of these females who want to get on boards. And like, we need to be able to give them a comfortable space to go do that. But the buying power for females in general in the world could could save your business, by the way, <laughs> like right, yeah. being able to have that yeah, conversation sure. with people being like, Dude, if you can get in on this, like, you know, we worked on the path to the Olympics and I was able to do, do that. And I was super proud of that too. I mean, we, I didn't get to do all of it, but, uh, it was just all these cool experiences that I feel like I at least touched. Um, and I think left, I, I was able to leave some positive pieces, um, from my career. I think that was, that was what I'm really proud of. So, I mean, it, I, I know that's a lot of different things, but the fact that like I got to end with supporting my gender and a, a group that was marginalized or, and, or not allowed to be in the spaces that I'd been working on for so long was a huge win for my career. And the fact that I have now moved back to Seattle and been introduced to skate like a girl and being able to use this like weird amount of information in my brain to help continue that path is like so fulfilling. Um, and I always found a lot of fulfillment in supporting skateboarding and action sports and the people. And, um, but it was like a spark for me that was like, Oh, like I need to help. And it was, and it was really hard for me. I didn't know everybody. Like that is one of those things. And, and it, you were hitting, I like, I mean, Kim, you, you both know, like you hit a wall. I was definitely hitting the wall with people being like, Hey, we should support this. Like people were like, now nah, it's not important right now. And I'm like, but it is important. Like it's important to me. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and now it's more and more and more important to people. And I just hope that I think that I helped that a little bit. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and, Absolutely. I'll just, and I'll just add like on the other side of it, like, cause you know, the first street league that had a women's division was in Chicago and, um, you know, that's also like you had, again, it goes back to like, yeah, it was new to you and maybe that wasn't your background. And I also think it's funny you asked, you're like, how do I not know these people? Well, it's just for so long, it wasn't, 
there wasn't, I didn't consider that really an industry, like women's skateboarding. There was no industry because no one, there were, no one was getting really paid. So there wasn't like an infrastructure around it. It was more of like a community that was like under the radar, you know? Um, but I think, you know, you also had the sort of like gut instinct to understand bringing in someone like WSA, which is like Mimi's company to make sure that the first time that there were women, that it was authentic, yeah. that it was, you know, handled. Um, and that was huge. That was like massive. And yeah, I mean, I was working with Mimi back then and the whole thing was just so seamless. Like having you in that position, um, it, it just, it makes such a difference, you know? And I think now, even when we're approaching new partners or working with people, whether it's for Skate Like a Girl or other projects, like I can just tell immediately, like if someone is willing to ask questions, learn, you know, be curious, or if they're like, I know how to do everything and we just need you to like, you know, stand there and, you know, be a monkey and we'll just tell you what to do. And it's just like, that's a very indicate, indic indicative, like, you know, um, demonstration of how a partnership's going to go. And from the beginning, it was just amazing. And that was, yeah, to me, like, that was one of the most, um, kind of like epic milestones for the pro side of women's skateboarding was that first street league, um, and how, how it all went down. And it was amazing. It was like a beautiful experience and, um, fun fact, Ashley was there in the stands, which <laughs> I learned later. We didn't even know each yeah, other back then. That's and funny. Yeah. yeah. It was Two of my friends so. surprised me and just us three went, but it just rad. felt that yeah. felt different for sure. And all the skaters, I was, you know, hanging out with them and stayed with some of them. And it was just like, this is, you know, this is the new kind of era where they felt valued, they felt seen, they felt heard, they felt important. And that was mm -hmm. just something that I don't think really any of them or us really had experienced before. So that was I, no, I appreciate hearing that. Cause I mean, a lot of, I, you know, I had people that I talked to between a lot of those skaters and, um, I just, I was always trying to do more. You hear like, why aren't there female judges? And why aren't we getting more female photographers and all that kind of stuff. And like, there were people behind the scenes trying really hard for those things, but like everything can't turn on overnight yeah. unless you just have someone who has all the cash to be able to do that and say, yeah, no problem. Like that just, that wasn't the way of the world. And I, I hope people understand that, that it wasn't, we were doing the best that we could with the opportunities that we had. And we just wanted to learn from, we learned from the first year and made the second year better. And I hope that it's been continued to be a better, better and better experience with bringing more people into the fold from the industry. And I think that they've heard, they've heard all that. Um, and yeah, it's awesome. So I'm, I'm glad you all had fun. I definitely cried the first event, uh, the first female <laughs> event. And it was so weird. Well, cause my little, like, my niece, my brother, it was in Chicago where my family's from. And like my niece came to oh, practice right. and she just like, my brother brought her his board and she's sitting there and she was like on, she was going back and forth, like on the sidelines. And I brought her up on the, um, on like the platform and stuff. And I'm like looking at this through her eyes and I'm like, most of my family doesn't understand what I do. Like even to this day, they're like, you work with Tony Hawk, right? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Tony Hawk is not the only thing in skateboarding, but cool. Or they're like, you run these like giant events and there's 10,000 people and there's kids flying all over the place. And I was like, this is also not what I do, but okay. Um, but it was just really great to like see this next generation or someone who's just like, whoa. And it was, they, she came for practice for the girls like that. My brother was like, no, I don't want to be there for the guys. I was like, you sure? Like that's some pretty big names. He's like, no, I don't care. Violet wants to see the girls. And I was like, so that's cool. awesome. So yeah. I was, it, I was pretty stoked. Um, so yeah. So thank you for the props, Kim. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. there's a lot of, 
there are a lot of people who, who worked really hard on it. Yeah. That's awesome. So cool. Huh. Wow. All right. Well, now industry talk. <laughs> yeah. So cool. So interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So what's funny, this is the perfect segue is that <laughs> when you were talking about sort of like being that bridge, that person who could ensure, you know, that, um, everything would be okay. And that, yeah, it's scary and they're trying to protect something, but at the same time, like it can, you know, the outcome can be that both sides win that to me was just so motherly. I'm like that you had to play that role of like confidence and just like, even if you didn't know, like you felt that it was going to work, these events, these partnerships, whatever. But I think a huge part of, you know, leadership, you know, that women can provide is just sort of that level of like, okay, I'm here for you. Like we're in this together. We'll figure it out. And when you were saying all that, I was just like, that's like what a mom does for like a kid, you know, because like sometimes, you don't. I have a lot of friends that, you know, are moms and, you know, have younger kids, older kids. And I'm just like, I think that's what it, I mean, I'm not a mom, but I'm like, I think that's what it looks like to be a mom is just to like provide a space of like safety and comfort. Even when you might not know all the answers, you have to feel like take on being that way. Um, because literally someone's like life is in your hands, you know? So I, I don't know. Told you, people used to call me skate mom <laughs> yeah, I know. So, when they weren't calling me salty Puma. They were calling me skate mom. So salty Puma. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always, always wanted to ask what? you about that. Your Instagram handle. What is there some joke behind that? I'm like, no, I mean, it's not, not really, it's actually, it's, to- it's actually totally stemmed from the industry. Um, so I was, when I was working on my first, the youth agency I worked at in Chicago, one of the coworkers was one of my brother's best friends named Newt. He's awesome. Um, amazing musician, but because I knew him, I would kind of get sassy with him all the time. And so because I was too old or too young to be a cougar, he would call me, (laughs) I would be a, and I was too old to be a kitten. If anyone doesn't know any of this stuff, like it's real. And, um, (laughs) and so like, he would just turn to me and be like, watch it salty Puma. And I'd be like, and so when I had to go on tour for Boosted Headphones with Zumi's Couch Tour, part of that role was they needed an MC. And so like someone <laughs> handed me a microphone and I became MC Salty Puma. And when I say that, like it was a different what? person. Oh, I got hired. I got hired <laughs> at bars in Chicago to be the hype person for bars. That's awesome. I can see that. As MC Salty. So Etnies like fully gave me this whole kit of like, that was like kind of when non was still cool. So I have like these t-shirts that are at these shirts of like Ryan Sheckler, like an image of Ryan Sheckler, like going down a stair set. That's like all, like if I was in a black light, it would be nuts. And like, I, I was actually great. Cause I got a lot of really cool clothes, but well, back then they were cool. Um, so yeah, like I would go out in these festivals and like basically don't stop believing would always get people hyped. Oh my and God. so I would like kind of watch the crowd and see like what c- kids had groups there. Cause I was like, Oh, we need to make sure that this booth is like popping. So it'd be like, Hey, I think you should sing. Don't stop believing by journey. And I guarantee you it's going to be awesome. And I might sing with you. And so like this one kid would sign up for it and his whole friend base would go and I would sing with them and like jump around or whatever. And so what's even weirder is that like, I just, that's my karaoke song, like Chris Cole <laughs> and everybody who goes to karaoke with us at Tampa pro totally know that. And they're super sick of it, but I'm good at it. And I also did a concert of it once <laughs> I opened for a band doing it in Chicago in a tutu. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There's a whole other wow. that salty wow. is like, 
they used to have like uh, VIP passes for my friends who were part of the Salty Puma crew. Like, uh, it was ridiculous. <laughs> we're going to like, bring you back on yeah, uh, Salty waff. Puma. I'm, well, I'm no, actually. So no, I mean like what's crazy is that like I met Pat and like everybody, the joke is that he like tamed the Puma because (laughs) I went out. This is so stupid. So Chicago always, when you go out in the bars or back then, I'm sure it's still the same way. Like if a celebrity DJ and I'm saying like uh, Lindsay Lohan or someone showed up, like it was like a really big deal. Like, oh my God, like we're so cool. And so you'd go to these bars and like these, we would go to these parties all the time. Um, and so we were supposed to go to the Lady Gaga after party and like Jason Derulo was playing at it or something. And so I hadn't been out in a while and my friends were like, just come out. It'll be great. And so I put on gold lame pants, like stretch pants, <laughs> a tube top, gold chains, bright red lipstick, and like five inch heels. And I went out and I was like, that's Salty Puma who's out. Like if I'm out in like normal clothes, like that's not, there's just a, there's a different personality. And it just happened to be that Pat was at that bar and it, he was not at that bar to be anywhere near Lady God or Jason Derulo. It was someone's birthday party. And we just happened to meet each other and like fell in love. It, you know, and you were in your full and, and, Jason in that was, and I was in that outfit. Which <laughs> I, I still, I still have the spandex. We've been married almost 10 years. We've been together 10 years. So anyway, he tamed the Puma, salty Pumas from that. And so (laughs) when Instagram started, uh, well, and then the other thing, because I was on tour on couch tour, that's how like Mike Carroll and Rick Howard and like everybody knows me as salty Puma. So like Mo, like you would, there's genuinely people like to this day, like brand managers who just like only call me salty Puma because that's how they remember me because we'd like go out and party and have fun. So you know, um, Puma's been tamed, but the Puma is all over Instagram and Twitter. And uh, I just started my TikTok, which I'm super annoyed that I have to do. But if you want to learn anything about Gen Z and know anything about digital, you have to have TikTok. So you two don't have it's one. Real. It's real. One. Yeah. It's real. And it's I'm real resisting. right now. And yeah, no, don't resist. <laughs> even, if, even if you have it just to do research on people, just get a TikTok. Anyway, Ashley's just, you know, navigating Instagram. So I'm stressed. Now I got to get TikTok. Honestly, it is. It is stressful. Like my job as an integrated marketer is to like know all this stuff. And like, sometimes I'm just exhausted and I'm like, I don't really want to do this. Like, (laughs) no, I mean, I'm lucky. Well, that's the thing is that my job as a consultant now is to know. know I need to know the bigger picture and be able to bring you in the like right a people ghost, to like execute. A ghost researcher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can just yeah. like tell you the important stuff. I get super jazzed on that stuff. I think it's really interesting. And that's also, again, like, you know, if you're trying to be a, uh, a pioneer within an industry or be someone who could be helpful to an industry that may not have uh, the wherewithal or know how to take themselves to the next level, you kind of have to be that person who can say, hey, I can do it. And if you don't know how to do it, you can at least admit that you don't, but you'll figure it out. Right. Um, Which I have learned a lot of how to do. So anyway, Salty Puma. You want to go to karaoke? (laughs) Let me know. Oh my God. Now there's there's mini Puma. There is a mini Puma. Puma. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Um, Yeah. You recently became a mother. How long ago? She when, is nine months old. How old is your old. daughter? Nine months. Wow, She's nine fast. months on Friday, wow. this past Friday. That's one of those things like people talk in weeks and I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know how old my kid is. Like I just, you know, she was born on July 19th. Like <laughs> she's, Main, she's between eight and nine. Thing. Like at some, yeah. yeah, you know, and when she turns one, I better know. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Most important. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and I, I have so many questions, but I think, you know, I'm just curious. Like the last time we spoke, you were saying how, Again, there's so many things people don't tell you. So like, 
yeah you share some of these things with us and like yeah. what has it been like for you I mean I know everyone's experience is different but I'm just curious you know like I feel like you're very you keep it real so like I don't want the sugar coat yeah. like oh my right, god right right right, right, so right. No, I'm I, like <laughs> I think um you know just to keep it in name of like industry and work and stuff like I don't think that I felt one, I'm very driven. So I kind of was just like, I'll get pregnant when I get pregnant. Um, and career first, career first. And when I actually started wanting it, career and stress actually put a really big damper on me actually getting pregnant. Um, you know, it's really weird. And I'll give this advice to people is that if any of your employers, especially your male employers ever ask you when you're trying to have kids and they may just be doing it because it's casual. We work in an industry that's super casual. Mm. Just know that that's illegal. Like you don't have to answer that question because it may be a completely innocent question from that person, whoever they may be, but it also might not be an innocent question. And you right. don't want to be pushed out of a company just because someone's saying like, oh, you get pregnant because that's real. Like people hundred yeah. percent get kicked out of companies because they get pregnant. Um, yeah. It's crappy, but they, we just don't have there are protective laws for people, but they're not as great as they should be. Um, so just, you know, you don't ever have to answer that question to anyone as even, if, even to the HR, HR person. Uh, anyway, Do I have so to answer that question to my mom. Cause she asked me that all the time. <laughs> Definitely not. And I, I used to get those all the time. Now I have it. And I was like, my, my brother and sister-in-law are like, thank God you guys have a kid. Cause now we're not being asked because now we have a grandkid. So yeah, no, I mean, that's, Kim, it sounds like you have to work through that. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a good place now, but yeah, yeah. Good. that um, she just would find so many ways to sneak it in. I'm like, really? Yeah, Speaking yeah. of Kim, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but yeah, so I, um, when we, was I still? I well, I'll just be honest. I like I, I had five miscarriages, um, and we, I. Actually, like the timelines are kind of wacky in my head now, but um, we realized that the miscarriages were from mostly from stress related. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of it I was working, I still was working at the street league when I had one of them. Uh, and, uh, and then I got pregnant again while we still lived in California and lost that. So we like did like an asinine amount of tests because it was like, I'm a perfectly healthy person. My husband's a perfectly healthy person. Nothing was coming up, like didn't make any sense as to what was wrong with us. And it's debilitating. Um, you know, yeah. the, the last, one of the worst ones that I had was maybe we were going in for our like uh, eight week checkup to like check the heartbeat and the baby stopped developing at six weeks. And it was the weirdest experience because you're, you go in there thinking like, yeah, everything's happening. And then like you, the doctor stops with the ultrasound and is like, Hey, we'll go talk in the office. And I'm like, what does that mean? Um, you know, and I had to get a DNC, which, you know, it's basically a removal of the fetus. And it was like mm. awful. And so thinking about like, not, I was basically trying to figure out being in a consultant and figuring out who I am after street league and going through this like crazy emotional thing that like, you realize that no one talks about. Yeah. Um, there are every, you know, dollars to Dixie, you know, nine out of 10 women has had a miscarriage, whether they know it or, or they do, you know, if you probably talk to your moms, like they probably had one and they haven't talked about it or they did talk about it. Um, and I think it's just this weird thing that shouldn't be shameful, um, because it happens more times than not. And, uh, but I also didn't, I started realizing like, I didn't know what was going on with my body. And like, then I felt like there was something wrong with me. I'm obviously, as you could probably tell, I'm try to be a high achiever. So I was like, I'm, there's something wrong with me. Like I can't, why I'm doing something wrong. And it's, you can really get beat up 
in your own head. Uh, and the internet is a very scary place because you can read everything under the sun about what you're doing and what you're not doing. Like one of my miscarriages that I had, like, did I just run too fast because my heart rate went up too high? Like, I don't know. It could have been that. Uh, so when we moved to Seattle, um, we moved back to Seattle from my husband's job. He works for a big company called WeWork. And, um, and you know, we still wanted to get pregnant and we went to my doctor and they were like, you know, if you, we were lucky, we work pays for, um, fertility. And so we were wow. like, well, if you want to do IVF, like we could do it. And they literally said, they're like, you guys are candidates, but like, you don't have to do it. Like you're both healthy. There's nothing that we can pinpoint that says like, you have to do this, but if you have the ability and you want to try it, like do it. And Pat and I were like, let's have science babies. Like, cool. We'll have perfect kids. Mm. It'll be great. Like done. Uh, nothing <laughs> is easy about IVF, by the way. Um, it is, it was so stressful putting needles like in various pieces, parts of your body at the exact time at certain, like, uh, in different doses of estrogen and whatever, like is awful. Like if you know anyone who's going through IVF, like send them some flowers or give them a hug because not only did it take a long time for them to get to that point that they had to do that, mm -hmm. but the entire process is like a total mind fuck. Like it just, it's, it's awful. Um, and you have to harvest eggs. And like, I started learning about how many eggs I had and like why I don't have any, I don't have as many as I could have when I was 22. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm sorry. What? I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, like, as you get older, you have less eggs. And I was like, I get that. But you're saying to me, I would have had like a ton more, like, should I have harvested these when I was like trying to be superwoman at work? And they're like, well, I mean, there's a lot of people who are doing it now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're just like single women trying to freeze their eggs right now because yeah. freezing your eggs is a whole nother thing too. Like that you go yeah. through a lot of the IVF process mm -hmm. to get those eggs. Um, and then you have, you know, then you put it all together to get an embryo. Um, so we went through this whole process and we ended up with, uh, I think we had, we had three perfect embryos, meaning like genetically they were, there was nothing wrong with any of them. Um, and so we were like, shoot, let's get twins, like knock it out. We want two kids, like whatever, put it in, put them in. And I lost them. So that's like $30,000 mm -hmm. of eggs and crazy amount of mental minutes of like, and just feeling of defeat. Um, and so we do still have an egg, um, that's frozen. How much time from yeah. like bringing it, like putting it back into your body until you lose, like how much time was that? Um, well they have to, so basically it just has to take, so I think it was 10 days. Okay. So, so you, you just sit around, breathe. they go back. Yeah. They basically just watch your like progesterone level, yeah. things, progesterone levels. Um, and so if you don't go over a certain level then they're like, you're, you know, basically it just didn't take. And like that, that was actually the example of like the running thing where I was like, wait, did my, did I go too high in my like mm, blood pressure? Yeah. Or like what happened? Or should I just have, like laid down with my legs up for like 10 days? Like, I don't know <laughs> oh, because yeah. people say that crap. And wow. Like, yeah. 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 And then there's other people who are like, it worked and it's fine. Yeah. So I lost it. And then so super defeated, like what the hell? And, um, I took this weird job at a winery locally and, um, and it was like beyond stressful. It was a kind of, a, you remember what I said about alcohol and like not wanting to necessarily work in it? Like I was, I was like, oh, it has to be better. This is like a whole nother, like it's a whole nother bazillion years later. Like the industry has got to be better. And it just wasn't. Um, and I was like, you know, this is, this is, I'm not into this. Like what's important is for us to get pregnant. And honestly, like I went through, I started going to fertility acupuncture that's a thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I started changing like what I was eating, basically figured out that my stomach's like super messed up. Uh, she helped me a lot with that. Um, and she was like, basically, if your stomach's messed up and your body's not digesting your food right, why would it hold on to eggs to help you develop mm-hmm. a fetus? And I was like, oh, it totally makes wow. sense. So did that and went through some like mental therapy and stuff, kind of mellowed myself out. And like we were in, um, we went to a Seahawks game in Detroit and got pregnant, like no big deal. And now I have a baby. <laughs> so what? we went through all that chaos. And in the end, I basically can say that like, when we stopped kind of like, we were trying cause we knew like the time frame because there's all these apps out there that tell you like when you're going to be fertile, if you're actually tracking well. And, um, we were just like, eh, whatever, we'll just try. And I got pregnant. And I genuinely think that like a lot, I have to be very conscious of like my stress levels and all that stuff. Um, you know, when we try to, if we try for number two, because it's, it's, I would basically say that like work basically prevented me from having kids and that's not necessarily the jobs. Some of them are the jobs and the pieces of the jobs, but a lot of it was like also how I took those jobs onto myself and took them on my shoulders and like wanted to like not necessarily succeed personally, but just like I wanted things to work with wherever I was working. So, um, so yeah, so now we have Hartley, uh, that was crazy. Like the pregnancy was pretty good. I had a C-section, uh, uh, because she was backwards. Um, so, you know, I've heard horror stories of other people having, uh, crazy deliveries and stuff. And I would say that anyone, I know this is like totally, if you have younger viewers are like, Oh my God, this is too much information, but I could not imagine going through labor and like being in labor and then someone say like 36 hours and then same someone being like, okay, we got to go for a C-section. Can you imagine like all of your innards now being messed up? Like the, <sighs> all of it. I am yeah. lucky that I at least got to pick a date and be like, all right. I mean, I'm lucky in the sense that she didn't come try to come out because she was breached. So she was backwards, legs down. And she was like that for weeks. Um, and I was running, I ran, I ran till 38 weeks, which I'm like super proud of because I was like, so actually here, I'll show you. That's awesome. I thought Ashley really awesome. would appreciate this. Yeah. This was on my wall. This uh-huh. was on my, this was on my office Oh my wall gosh. Yes. For, um, for nine months. Actually, I saw it and I was like, this is going to be me. This woman's uh, running like an ultra marathon and she's crazy. But, uh, I ran all the way through that and God, I did, but, um, yeah, it can be helpful for delivery as well, but I guess, yeah. Well, working out, I mean, I was lucky in general. I, I had like a polar heart rate system. Like I was so paranoid about all of it, but I just like wanted to make sure that I could be as healthy as possible. But, um, yeah, so we were really lucky and things have worked out and I actually worked through my entire pregnancy. I had a big project for Arizona state university that I was doing with fast company. Um, I had two, I had two other like app clients that were startups that I was working on. Uh, and then literally after she was born, I got three, three more projects and I was a maniac and decided to take them on, uh, and continue working because I was like, ah, she just eats and sleeps like no big deal. And Pat had paternity leave. And I thought it was like, you know, we could do that. And in hindsight, if someone (laughs) can take the opportunity to not work and, just take the time and do it. I think personally, because of my personality, like it was probably really good. I felt like I was achieving or keeping my brain fresh. Um, but now that we have COVID-19, I'm basically on maternity leave again. Like I haven't, I have a client still, but, um, I'm actually almost being forced to take some time with my daughter, which is kind of cool. Um, (laughs) but yeah, it, I would trade everything in the world, every job I've ever had to have her like It's just, it's the coolest thing. Just watching like the world through her eyes. So yeah, yeah. that is incredible. Um, I had, I wouldn't, people, 
Oh, go question. ahead. Oh no, I was just curious. What did you eliminate foods from your diet during that time period? I wanted to ask you, but I don't interrupt. Oh my gosh, so many weird foods. Um, I'm still doing it. Curious. Like my body's pretty messed up, but I'm not. Do you have a digestive not, issue going on? You said Is yeah. Like a so yeah, I would say it's definitely gut health. Like you know, I was I had to be more concerned about the order of foods that I ate. Um, you know, nightshades and those kinds of things and like doing eliminations. Um, but like I was drinking this tea that was like fennel and cumin and like ginger and just like the worst smelling thing ever every day. Uh, I would have to eat oatmeal with nuts and dried fruit and like tons of ghee. Do you know what ghee is? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I didn't yeah. know what that was and I eat ghee every day. It's basically for people who don't know, it's just butter, but it's clarified. So I mm. eat a ton of butter, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, people in Indian culture use it uh, all over their bodies. It's like a spiritual thing too. in, in certain cultures, but, um, yeah, so I, uh, yes, the answer, the long answer is I had to eliminate and change how and when I was eating things, when I was drinking water, like I would, I drink a ton of Nalgene's and like, you can't just drink an Nalgene of water and then put food on top of it. It's the way that your body digests and kind of sits and mushes together. So like, you know, how I always, uh, if you've ever, there's this woman, Earthy Andy that I follow on Instagram, who is like, she's vegan and she, I mean, if you want to be annoyed by someone in life, I mean, uh, good for her, but she's like this tall, beautiful blonde woman who lives in Hawaii, who's married to a pro surfer and has like these three beautiful, like white haired children who are tan and like surf and it's crazy, but she's an influencer. She has like 2 million people who follow her on Instagram. And she uh, talks a lot about like gut health and like how, uh, how she changed her diet. Um, and she had a thyroid issue and she fixed her thyroid issue with just food. Mm -hmm. um, which all the doctors were like, that's weird. You should, it should be medicine. Uh, and she fixed it it took her six months to fix it. But anyway, so, you know, I, I would say that my acupuncturist changed, it changed our lives. I would say she did a phenomenal job and I'm glad someone recommended her to us. That's awesome. Was that also the, was that along the lines of like you're around your digestive issues or just specifically acupuncture in general? Really. No, she was the one who helped me. So yeah, she was the fertility acupuncturist. And so she was like, I don't know what she does. She looks at my tongue and she's like, that's inflamed. So she would tell me, Hey, try this, try this, try this. And, um, ask me what I ate and, you know, talk about poop. Like yeah. there's a lot of weird stuff we talk about, but, yeah. uh, I didn't know that my stomach was that messed up until she mm -hmm. fixed it. Then I was like, Oh, yeah. and then I got pregnant. So yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, I've, you know, I've read up myself. I have a lot of people in my net that are, um, specialists around nutrition, especially and like gut health and the importance mm -hmm. of gut health um, and it being like critical um, to people's well-being. But I haven't heard much about in in regard to the order in which you're putting food in your body. Uh, so that's like really interesting. Was there like a root to it? Because also I think about like, it's like every seven or eight years, like our bodies like change and evolve. And so I'm thinking like what the root of that was and if it's been like a long time coming I'm curious, like what, yeah. So I'll give you, at least this is my personal opinion. When I, um, when I left Zoomies, uh, my body freaked out. I think personally that I was always super anxious and stressed and like just constant crazy life of like, you know, drinking at events and, you know, running around drinking coffee on an empty stomach traveling. and like just traveling. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's a lot. Um, and if you're kind of always high strung and always thinking about work constantly, like it's just, you, you never shut off. And so I, when I took my 30 days of awesome, um, 
my body, I feel like just suddenly relaxed. And because of that, I, uh, I started like my stomach was like super gassy. I was constantly achy. I was going through like a bottle of Pepto a week. I was pounding ibuprofen. Um, I was getting migraines. Like I, my skin was breaking out. It was so weird. And I just was like, what is happening? And so when I got this job at this new agency in Seattle, again, first time I've ever worked with this many women who were women bosses. And I was talking about my symptoms. And they're like, all these women were like free of everything, like free of cheese, free of dairy, free of eggs, whatever. And they're like, it sounds like you have a gluten issue. I was like, how do I know if I have a gluten issue? They're like, well, the tests are weird unless you're celiac. Like you should just take it out of your system for 30 days and see what happens. Cause your body always will flip. Like same thing with habits. It's like, if you could do something for 30 days, it, it becomes a new habit. So I took it out of my system and it literally changed my life. Like I dropped crazy water weight, my skin cleared up, migraines gone, haven't taken ibuprofen since, don't take, those not even in my house anymore. Um, and that was really when people thought gluten-free was like becoming a fad diet. And so it was bizarre to go to the back to Midwest and people be like, what, what's gluten? Like, why can't you eat this? And I'm like, I just, it really, <laughs> and it was crazy because you have, I like, even at restaurants, I had to have my husband stand. He would order the gluten-free stuff for me because no one would ever judge him. And they'd be like, okay. Mm. But if I said something, they'd be like, is it a choice? And I'm like, do you want to know if I'm going to poop my pants? Like that's literally like, I would have to say that to them yeah. to make them, I'm like, you just made me uncomfortable. It's none of your business. Why I want to eat that way. Right. If someone says I can't have cheese, are you going to ask them if it's a choice? Like, no, yeah. maybe they're lactose intolerant. You, you don't know. What anyway, restaurants so, are you going to? They're asking you these things. That's hella offensive. LA. Lots yeah, in LA. I guess. And in, yeah. I was in Iowa. <laughs> but in Chicago, Thanks I mean, dreams. I think I actually, I would actually say it's progressively gotten, it's gotten better depending on where you are. But I would say LA was probably the worst. Like Santa Monica and stuff like people, because it's just, yeah, it's a pain in the ass for restaurants, especially if they're not gluten-free and they have to explain yeah. like, well, we don't have a gluten-free kitchen and da 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 and they don't want to be sued. Um, but you know, people should just be nice. Cause you don't know what people are going through yeah, sometimes. No idea, ask for yeah. that. on their business. Anyway. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So I did that. And then, um, was, I mean, I've been gluten-free for eight years or so or seven years. Uh, and then, um, and it, yeah, I just, I don't know, maybe it was because like when I, maybe it was the same thing as street league. Like I left street league and I, I would say I was stressed in general, just from not being at that job anymore because we like moved to LA and was, uh, for that specific reason. I was like, well, I don't even know what I want to do anymore, blah, blah, blah. And so that was stressful. But I think, I think my body just kind of went like, oh. and yeah. then it decided to show me all the symptoms that it was suppressing because it needed to stay high energy and high anxiety for so long mm. um, that it started just kind of like whatever I was eating was being weird. So mm. I, I still can't pinpoint a lot of it. Like sometimes it's dairy, sometimes it's not, I don't know. I'm still having it. Now that I had a baby, everything's, everything's like restart. Right. My skin's right. all crazy. Hormones are nuts. Like, uh, I still think I'm pretty lucky. There's a lot of people who've had much harder pregnancies yeah. and deliveries and postpartums and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, now with COVID, I can't even go see doctors. So yeah. can't see my acupuncturist. I can't really, you know, so some days I'm cranky because I just don't feel good. Like there's right. yeah. whole weeks where I'm just like, I eat brown rice and ghee and spinach and that's it. So yeah. I know it's, it's a bummer, but it's hopefully I can figure it out soon. Uh, yeah. but the order of things, like think about how you break down, how long it takes to break down a piece of meat comparably right. to a piece of fruit comparably oh, to a piece, you know? So if you think about that order is that if the meat's there first, but you put a piece of fruit on top of it, 
it's and the fruit's getting developed. Yeah. It's, it's all kind of going on, like all the acids are getting weird in your stomach yeah. because they're getting on top of each other. So that's kind of the philosophy behind it. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I've definitely like, I've no, I know about like just logically how like food kind of decomposes in the gut, but I've never heard anyone be like so affected by like the order where it's like messing you up that bad. I've heard people like getting stomach aches here and there, but yeah, that's wild. But um, I resisted a lot. Trust me. I love pizza. Like <laughs> it's really, really hard. And there are certain pizzas that are better than others. And my acupuncture is just like, I really think you should just take dairy out of your, out of your system. Like, yeah. Dairy is Like I can't do that. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so, but I, I also am not a very good person at keeping my blood sugar level steady. Um, mm. that was always my problem at work. There was a running joke. This guy, you know, Steve settles a maybe from Evo. Um, he, he and I worked together at Zoomies couch tour or in Zoomies and and there was always a part during the couch tour during the day that he would hand me a diet Coke and like fruit snacks because he knew exactly when my blood sugar would crash. Cause I didn't take care of myself. It was like the running joke always just like, has Molly gotten her diet Coke and fruit snacks yet? <laughs> so, um, and now that I'm, um, you know, now that I'm a mom, it's not as easy to take care of yourself and make yeah. sure that you're eating. Cause I'm constantly thinking about how to about get her to baby. eat. Yeah. But if you don't take care of yourself, then she can't eat because I'm yeah. still breastfeeding. Right. Um, so I actually not shameless plug. I'm not sponsored by these people, but I, I eat daily harvest stuff. Mm. Now I tried them and their marketing was insane. Like I <laughs> have been followed around. They, whoever their investors are, I'm bummed that I'm not one of them because they're, they're spending so much money in so many of the great places, like fully integrated anywhere I am, they show up, um, even on like crappy regular, like television, uh, <laughs> And so I finally was just like, you're like, it. okay, and fine. I did. I was like, you know yeah. what? I did the math. It's not that different from like buying some groceries and I got like 24 of them and they're awesome. And it's like, I can, I suddenly have these healthy meals that I could make really quickly that now I, my, like my energy level is, I know that I can go to something really quickly without just like stuffing my face with something stupid that will make my stomach hurt. So, right. you know, I'm on my first round. We'll see what the next one, this one is a cold brew and cacao with cauliflower, coconut, dates, almonds, lion's mane, which I don't know what that is. And then some word that I'm not going to try to pronounce. Ashwagandha. Ashwagandha. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. Nice. And it's just like, are they all just like all smoothie form or liquid form? They're no, there's um, chia bowls. There's harvest bowls. So those are like, you chuck them in a pan and it takes like three minutes for them to, um, to cook. And then they have like soups. And I think they just did like pizzas, like cauliflower pizza and stuff. I, my next shipment's gonna be a little bit different, but that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, my husband makes them for me <laughs> now that he's home. <laughs> he's like, "Did you eat?" Because that's one thing we learned is I'm in charge of the baby eating. He needs to make sure that I eat. Yeah, because that's I will go and do like crazy multitasking. Like, I mean, TMI, but like before we were doing this, uh, Hartley didn't sleep very well last night, so I was half awake. Luckily, Pat is here because he has to work from home because of COVID nineteen. And so he took her for a couple hours so I could like sit in bed and try to feel not hungover because that's what you feel like when you don't right. sleep anymore at my age. Um, and so, you know, I had to organize her food and sit at the table and feed her. And I was pumping while I was feeding her in my kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and then before we did this, he's like, you need to eat. So there you go. That's awesome. It's all about teamwork. Yeah. It yeah. really is. So, but yeah, I Kim, I don't know if I, I didn't really answer your question of like what you didn't know. I mean, I think there's just a lot of, Maybe there, what's one thing that you could share with us or give yourself a break is really what it is like, yeah. and I, you know, don't I, try to be I've said this woman. before. 
don't try to be superwoman and like don't listen to fucking crazy moms on the internet because they're mean. <laughs> they are. Like the the mom culture is mean on the internet and it's it's I don't I don't know what it is. It it's almost like going back to junior high where one mom wants to tell you what you have to do and if you don't breastfeed your kid for years, you're a terrible person and you're ruining their lives. Like I even had friends who were just like, you don't have your kid on a schedule. Do you know that their brains aren't going to be functioning? And I'm like, I'm functioning and our household's functioning. So why the hell do you care? Like, it's just the weirdest (laughs) thing. So I would say like, I have tried to find mom mentors or maybe a little bit closer to my age who have a little bit closer to my lifestyle to give me like real advice. Like I have a really good friend in California where she's just like, what works for you? I was like this, this, and this, she's like, do it. Who cares? She's like, are you happy? I'm like, like, is it going to make you sad that you have to like force her to do X, Y, Z? Yeah. Then don't do it. Who cares? Like, huh. But I have the luxury to do that. Like I work from home. I don't, you know, my, I don't have to go and take my kid to daycare and drop them off at a certain time. Like I, can kind of be a mom who goes with a little bit more of Hartley's flow. Uh, I, it might bite me in the ass later. Like I've been told by some crazy moms, but I don't know. Might not. I mean, that seems <laughs> so, like a parallel for just right. internet culture in general. It's just like there's trolls, you know, and you can spend your time listening to them or trying to engage with them, or you can just talk to your friends in real life, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. But you know, you'd be surprised that once your friends be, you know, are all pregnant or have kids, like they may become one of those moms that they're like, Whoa, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you used to be fun. It like, must come from like their own insecurities. That's my guess. I don't know. Or their own stress of like trying to do things right. So I think they're it's protecting, that. You know? That's what I would, my guess would be is yeah. Like trying to like, you know, it's like when somebody thinks they've figured it out and it worked for them. And I think it is from a place of love, but they forget to come from a place of love and it comes from a, like makes you wrong instead Um, because there isn't a lot of information out there. And so then like everyone's trying to put it all out, but it's not always in like the most productive or like, yeah, most, I would actually say that there's too much information out there. That's Mm. one of it's super overwhelming and you have to figure out where you're your moments of truth will be and go to those ones on a regular basis instead of kind of just being like, Oh my God, my kid has a fever. Who do I talk? Like, let me just Google this really quick. <laughs> you know, like, right. Cause then you have every mom who's like, don't do anything. Like if you give them something, it'll ruin them. And then you have yeah. this person who's like, take your kid to the hospital. And it's like, yeah. why are they, what do we why do? can't yeah. they just be like one in the middle? Um, so I, yeah, it's that I, that's why I was saying earlier, you guys is like, it's, I wrote this giant list of like, what you may or may not need even before you have a kid and like stuff to take care of your nipples and like, just what, like things that no one would, t- I work, I work in the skateboarding industry. Like no one talks yeah. to me about this stuff. There's no one to talk about right. it with me. Um, and I didn't have a kid. So it's, it, there's just weird stuff like that. So I wrote like a giant list, took two lists from two women that gave them to me, put them together, mm-hmm. added all my information, then just put a Google doc that's like open in the internet for my friends to say, Hey, like, here are the weird toys I bought. Like you may overbuy things. You may not like, you know, do whatever you can to get free stuff because your kid grows really quick. Like, you know, yeah. there's a lot of that, um, that no one would have told, I wouldn't have known unless one said something to me. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But I, I, the biggest thing is just like, give yourself some grace and like get, have some perspective of like, if your child is thriving, you're doing the best you can at the moment. And yeah. also take some time for yourself. I'm having a harder time with that. Um, again, like I said, I decided that work was, something I guess that's technically me taking time for myself, but there's a lot of mom guilt. Um, 
I think a lot of women have that as postpartum of, you know, they're not breastfeeding enough or not doing well enough, or they're not living up to whatever expectations or their kid hasn't gained enough weight or whatever it is. You know, I, I had someone say to me that like our kid was too skinny and she's fine. Like there's not, my pediatrician doesn't think there's anything wrong, but like, yeah. then all I'm thinking about is like her thriving and like, oh my gosh, like she needs more rolls on her legs. Like what? Like, why am I thinking about that? That's so stupid. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. And then there's just, it's almost like the, uh, uh, weddings is a whole nother thing we can talk about, but like the wedding industry is a racket. The baby industry is a total racket. Like people try to sell you everything under the sun to help with whatever state, uh, instability you have in your brain at that moment of like, mm my kid, I can't get my kid to sleep. There is a podcast or there's a app for that, but you have to buy it for $7.99 and then there's upgrades. And like, if you are out of your mind and have no sleep or, you know, you just like, you feel like your house is imploding, like those little things that get marketed to you on Instagram because you said it out loud and then, you know, stupid microphone told them to send you an ad. (laughs) It's like liquid gold. Seriously. Like I, Uh, there are, there are so many different companies I would start specifically just for women of like things that I'm like, I don't need that, but I need dry fit stuff because I leak like there, you know, your hormones are crazy for however long, like you sweat, like, why are there not like good clothes that aren't $900 from women who are pregnant and like that don't make you feel like you're pregnant? Like, I don't know. There's a whole other thing, but yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was (laughs) I just like, I have so many questions about, I think like postpartum, I feel like people talk a lot about like, and I don't even know, right. I haven't even explored all the information that's out on that interweb. Um, but I feel like I've had a lot of friends and family talk about how there was so much they didn't know about postpartum. And I think postpartum can look a lot of different ways for everybody. So I'm just curious, like, what was your experience or is there, if there's anything you can offer around postpartum, uh, mentally, physically, any of it. Uh, that's a good segue to, I need to open this window cause it's really hot. Yeah. In here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> I was just going to say time check too. It's two fifty. Oh yeah. So okay, we should great. like, yeah. Okay. Five minutes and then five minutes. Yeah. Well, I'm um, wondering. Yeah. Well, we can, think, I mean, we'll, we'll edit, we'll edit this part out, but, um, okay. yeah, you should definitely answer that. And then should we do a, I guess you kind of did a show until with daily harvest. Um, <laughs> or we could just end, we can end the, we can do the last portion, which is like acknowledging you. Oh, you thanks. Well, uh, I mean, is I have some advice of like stuff for people to follow. That's like work related too. If you want to do that instead okay. of daily harvest, I mean, well, they don't get, they don't pay me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So, so answer her ask, question ask it- and then we'll, let's do the advice portion, I think, and then we'll finish it. Cool. So work. Yeah. Um, so for postpartum, I mean, f- I think I, I've been pretty lucky. Um, cause I don't have any perspective. I'm a new mom, so I don't know what it should or should not be, but I, uh, uh two pieces of advice that continually kept on being said to my husband was you have to watch Molly. If you don't feel like she is herself, you have to say something and you have to be gentle about it because you get so caught up with making sure that the baby's okay, that you forget that maybe you are changing mentally or changing as a person. Um, actually Andrew Cannon from NHS told me that I told Pat that he's like, you know, like you just, you have to make sure that you are being Molly's advocate because she can't do it for herself because there's so much going on, not only in her brain, but with her body and with the baby. And it's just a different experience for the, 
the female. Um, you know, dads have their own emotions. It still is, it affects them hugely when a baby's crying, but like when a baby cries, like it is visceral, like to the point where if like Hartley was crying when she was really little, like I, it was, I would be bawling. Cause I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, is she in pain? And she was fine. She's just a baby. But, um, so, you know, there are, va- there are very, definitely extremes. And I would say that if you have a partner or someone who can advocate for you, that it's really important to make sure that they know that. So, um, if you have a friend who has a husband or a partner who, you know, they, they haven't been told that, or you, you want to tell them that, like, I think it's important to do so. Um, cause I, you know, moms can only be superwoman as, as much as they possibly can. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I did have a friend who had postpartum and she didn't know for a year. Uh, she only found out once she started going to therapy because she was like, what is, she just felt like off and funky and like her relationship with her husband wasn't going well. And she finally, when she went to go to talk to someone, they were like, you have postpartum. Here's why I can tell you that. And it's all the things that she was talking about and the symptoms that she was explaining, but she didn't know. Mm. So she wasn't, she could have been more gentle with herself for a whole year and she just didn't, Mm. she didn't recognize it. Yeah. It can go crazier, but have a, lean on people if you can. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Gotcha. Okay. So like, I guess, uh, moving towards like, uh, sort of the end of the show, but, um, what's any advice that you might have for, I guess, just like, I don't, it doesn't have to be necessarily younger people. Cause I think we can all use, you know, some insight from, you know, each other. And that's really the point of the show. But, um, I guess more specifically though, like, is there anything you would have maybe told yourself, your younger self, um, whether that was like, you know, working your way up in the industry or, you know, your personal life family, like, you know, we've talked a lot about that as well. So like, is there anything that you wish you could have told yourself? I know that doesn't necessarily work. It's not like reality, but, um, I was just like, I'm curious to hear from, you know, people we have on, like, What's mm-hmm. some advice that they would share? I would say, yeah. Um, I think I have been very lucky to be able to continue having clients from a work perspective, have clients come and find me because I did something right in my background for them to come and find me. I have been very lucky that I haven't had to necessarily go and like beg for business. Um, but in doing that, I have also been able to recognize and really stick to what I want to do and what I don't want to do. And I think a lot of that comes with maturity. I think you need to get a lot of learnings under your belt before you can get to that point. But it is really like life is really short. And there were points in multiple jobs that I've had where I was clearly not happy. Like I told, I told you both the story about like me driving on a road and looking at gardeners and being like, I could go and be a landscaper and it would be so much better than what I'm doing right now. Like that's, that's not a way to live. And I know not everybody is financially able to just say, Hey, I'm going to quit my job, but you always have the opportunity to look and you always have the opportunity to advocate for yourself, whether it's within the role that you are currently in or, you know, saying if that role or those opportunities aren't there in the role, then start taking the steps and be your own advocate because you can't expect other people to do it for you. And, um, you know, I, there have been opportunities from a business perspective that I've been brought and I look at it and I go, that's either not going to fulfill what I want to do long-term or 
I think this is going to be so much work that it'll be so stressful within my house that I don't want to bring this in here. Like I know that I could do a really good job and I'm sure I can make a ton of money off these people, but that's not the most important because in the end, in the end, my mental health is, is worth every penny of like not having that cash. So, um, you know, I, I would say that really, if you could do a check-in with yourself every year, whether it's your career or your personal life to say like, am, what am I doing today and tomorrow and this year that is either fulfilling personally, you know, work-wise and are, am I doing the steps right now to continue feeling happy? Because life is just so short. Uh, and I remember just like having left different companies and leaving, like even just like not being in the thick of things with Street League, like I just missed it so much. And I missed it so much when I left Zoomies too, which is why when I went to another agency, I kept on trying to like work with people <laughs> I'd worked with before. So I was like, Oh, I miss you guys. But you know, it's, it, uh, it's okay for you to say like, I don't know what I'm doing or, you know, or not have an answer. It will come to you, but you do have to work at it. Like, again, no one's going to tell you what that is and what is right for you. Uh, and so I just, I think that's the biggest the biggest thing. And, and don't get discouraged. If you hear, no, there's always another opportunity. This is like entrepreneurs are out there. There are companies that are looking for you. You may not know it. Uh, it's putting yourself out there and having that confidence in your abilities, but don't be overconfident. Like know when you need to learn and know when you can be of service to someone and how you can do it and do it in a manner that, uh, makes those people feel like you could be their partner and elevate them. Uh, cause that's the number one thing I, I we've said over and over again is just like, if you come from a place of positivity and wanting to lift people up or lift an industry up or, you know, your favorite soda brand up, like whatever that is, like you will always be a lot more passionate and give a lot more and it would be, rec it will be recognized. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Was there something else you said you wanted for show and tell? I can't. I was oh no, I was just going to tell, like, I was thinking about it and, um, you know, one of the biggest things I have always told like people that I've worked with who are younger than me, um, is just like always be learning and it can be exhausting because work, you know, you go to work and you have to do all these things. You have to read emails all day. Like sometimes you just want to go home and read a book or go for a run or whatever, but take the time to, you know, if you're in marketing or you're a filmer, like make sure that you're staying up with the Joneses, like stay up with what's the next, next technology. What are the brands that are in the forefront of the new thing doing so that you have the ability to, uh, be aware of it and know that that may be coming for your industry and you may have to learn it. Uh, you know, I, I get a lot of joy just like kind of scoping out LinkedIn every day. Uh, there's a woman, um, Lauren McDonald, she's a recruiter. If you don't like, even if you're not looking for a job, like her positivity and like perspective on just like work is really amazing to me. And I like always follow her. Um, there's a guy, uh, Jeffrey Cologne, who is, I'm going to butcher what he does at Microsoft, but he like head of advertising or like development. Like he, he does a lot of innovation for, for Microsoft specifically from a marketing perspective. And he has a podcast called disruptive FM and he wrote a book. Uh, and I listen to him and I, I read from him a lot just cause I like his perspective, but he can give me snippets. I don't have to read like a ton of data about stuff for my industry. And he can say, Hey, like, this is what Twitter's doing. Or like, Hey, if you haven't gotten a TikTok account, like you better get on this because of X, Y, Z reasons. Um, and then this guy, um, oh, what is his last name or what is his first name? Um, 
Greg Witt. He is a, also on LinkedIn. He started uh, an agency that's a youth agency that's Gen Z specific, and he's an author. Um, or he started an agency, and I think now he, he is a CEO of another agency. But regardless, he is an expert in Gen Z. And I think the skateboarding industry, action sports industry, youth industry needs to make sure that they know what the youth are not are wanting and how they're interacting with brands. Uh, every, like they need to have someone who's doing that strategic expertise to advise them on how they need to think long-term because they aren't going to exist if they don't know how to communicate authentically to each generation. And I think, um, that has always been a crux, I think in the industry, we've said this before is just, it's, if you're not constantly learning and trying to figure out where your customers are and where they're going to be, then you're already behind. So, uh, those are people that I would follow on LinkedIn and just like, kind of, cause they'll come up in your feeds. So you don't have to kind of look at, you don't have to peep them every day, but I think they're also like public figures on there. Um, so, you know, cool. constantly learning and just like, make sure that you're checking out people who have different perspectives all the time. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. That's amazing. Um, okay, cool. So to end our conversation. We always end with acknowledgements and, um, it's just an opportunity for us to just get present to like who you are, why we, you know, asked you to come on. Um, and also for you to get like who you are for our community, um, from our perspective. Right. And it might again, be different than what you think. So, um, (laughs) Ashley and I will both go, but yeah, I don't know. Ashley, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? I would love to. This has been so great and so awesome. Um, just first off, Molly, like, thank you for being on this and being authentic and real and vulnerable. And I see that that's like every part of your being. And I see that from your sharing from like you as a young person, like a younger person and through your career path to where you're at right now as a mother. Um, and the impact that you've had on the individuals who I don't even know, but the individuals and the lives that you touched and like, whether it's been salty Puma or like skate mom (laughs) or like an actual mom, like I get that there's without a doubt in a huge impact in who you, who you are for people and how it influences them to show up on this planet. And even you as our board member in skate like a girl and which we haven't even like touched on, but um, the little time that I've known you, and the stories that you've shared have just, I'm so clear on the impact that you've made like up until this very moment. And it's, it's incredible. Um, and the journey, um, that you've had and the, the sort of light that you've shown on your journey so far, um, and the things that you've come in contact with and overcome and how it's informed you as a person and the determination and the perseverance and your ability to take whatever comes your way and not resist it, but to see how can I, how can I overcome this and actually even become stronger, um, in everything you've talked about today. So thank you for sharing all that. And thank you for like who you are for all of us. Uh, into this industry and skate like a girl and yeah, our audience here. So thank you so much. Thank you. That's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> right. My yeah. turn. I can't, um, I'm like looking at myself cause I'm like trying not to cry. <laughs> <laughs> we don't can, get to I'm end so the lucky. podcast unless you cry. Great. Well, well, at least I can blame it on hormones. It's fine. <laughs> uh, okay. My turn. So Molly, I just want to acknowledge you for 
a taking the time today um and b just honestly being a demonstration of like what is actually possible for women in the skateboarding industry and the action sports industry as a mom um to me you've demonstrated um everything that I aspire, you know, to be, which is resilience, teamwork, collaboration, generosity. Like one of the biggest things I think that I got out of this conversation with you was just the bigger picture. Like I kept hearing like, you know, leaving it better than you found it. But to me, it's like a legacy. And for someone to come in and have, you know, that intention and that foresight um, to give back and, and to leave things in a way that were bigger and better, you know, than when you found it is just huge and that's inspiring. And I think that's something that, you know, I definitely strive for as well. Um, but I just admire that the, the opportunity to look at every action, every call, every meeting, every, you know, partnership as like, is this going to, you know, better the, the whole. Right. Um, and I think, not every individual has to operate from that, but you do, right? And so I just acknowledge you for being that sort of like leader, that mother, if you want to call it, you know, mom, um, to really look out for the well-being and the the status, the state, the culture of our whole community. Um, and although, you know, right now you're not necessarily in the skate industry like day in, day out, um, even the work that you're doing with Skate Like a Girl, it ripples out so deeply that there's people's lives that are affected that you will never know. So, um, and we see it on the forefront, but those people are participants, whoever, you know, is getting to benefit from the, the changes and the evolution of this industry and what's possible. Um, they're going to go on and, you know, affect other people and have kids and everything is evolving. And I just think there's not that many, um, women in leadership roles. And so technology for being someone who's willing to take on a leadership role, cause it's definitely not always easy. I mean, it's never easy. Um, and it takes being willing to like get out of your comfort zone. It takes being willing to be uncomfortable. It takes willing to be with a lot of no's and no agreement from most people. Um, and just being the person who's willing to like stand up and say what you feel, even if you have a whole room of people that do not agree with you and do not even like you for saying what you feel. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just acknowledge you for being that person because that, that door you're opening with your voice and you know, your thoughts and you sharing your ideas and opinions literally opens doors for so many of us and the the rest of the future of this culture, this community, this industry, like women everywhere, <laughs> driven moms everywhere. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, just thank you for being that person and continuing to be that for us. And um, I hope that by everyone that listened or watched, you know, today that um, they take away just how awesome you are and how you're, you are very behind the scenes. So I think that for a lot of our viewers or listeners, they might not know who you are. So I hope that by sh just shedding light on your story, people can understand that it really is a community. It's not just pro athletes or some famous person, right? It's people like you that are behind the scenes, like putting in a lot of blood, sweat and tears um, who may not necessarily get the kind of like, obvious public recognition awareness. Um, but you know, for all that hard work that goes unseen unacknowledged, like I want to acknowledge you now for all of that. So thank you. 
That means a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you for well, having me. I mean, this is yeah. awesome. I hope, uh, I hope, you know, if, if anyone needs to reach out to me or they feel like they have more questions for me, I'm definitely open. So, um, we can figure out a way to get my information out to people. Um, you know, I, I, I do love being able to help if I can. And if I feel like people needs more guidance before I can give them further help, I'm also that person. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And also That's like awesome. many people might not know this, but you usually are at wheels of fortune and around and behind the scenes. So for, maybe a lot of our friends and our community members, like, you know, they can come to wheels of fortune and find you. And we are working on stuff for the future, like more panels and workshops. So I imagine like you contributing to those as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm also, you know, it's a four day, sometimes a week long event, depending on who's in town. (laughs) Uh, and you know, those are also opportunities for if someone wants to grab a coffee, um, go for a walk, go hang out in the skate park, like whatever that is, like, you know, I'm, I'm available. I just, I'm a, I'm a, really good with my calendar. So I just need to make sure it's on my calendar. <laughs> yeah. We need more future, like younger people right now that are on the path to becoming the Molly's, the board yeah. members of skate, like a girl, right. The consultants, like that's definitely what my hope is and it's happening. So yeah. Awesome. awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Have yes. a lovely afternoon and I appreciate it. And- yeah. So thank you to everyone who's listening and watching. Um, as you know, we, as you know, already, um, there's more episodes on our YouTube channel. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple podcasts. Um, so yeah, just appreciate your time. Hope this was valuable and we'll see you on the next episode. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks y'all. <laughs>